get it going there. Okay. Well, welcome back. This is Infinity Content episode... I can't remember already. <laughs> Five, six, seven? Seven? If we're counting lost episodes still in there. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Karnak. Oh, Karnak. <laughs> Poor guy. I was so worried about him with that Death of Inhumans issue that came out oh, this week. I know. No. Although I'm glad he's still around. I'm so glad he's still yeah. around. I mean, I wonder if he's going to get off to one of the next issues, though. I mean, so this is obviously not related to the podcast at hand, but Django brought up yesterday that maybe it just looks like Box cut Black Bolt's vocal cords. Yeah. And didn't kill him. Hmm. I interpreted him as, like, dead. Like, you know, Jacob Marley uh, style. No yeah, I mean, that not. looked pretty deep. I right. mean, <laughs> I interpreted it as the Lannisters sending their regards. Yeah, is exactly. what I thought when he was doing it. But, but he says, hush, yeah. and he's on the cover of the next issue. But we know that that is, we don't know what that means in comic books. Yeah, you know? it, I mean, they could come back any other way. Mm-hmm. Cool, like, character. Like this oh, new I box. Love oh, yeah. His character that, design. Yeah. That cover is so good. I was curious to why he has like little baby wings in the it's issue. Just to be cute. Just little <laughs> it's, cherub. Yeah, it's just like, he, oh, he's a killer, but he's a cutie. So, this this podcast immediately, when people listen to it two years from now, will be, we're just like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah. What is that? that this isn't all star Superman oh. at all. Yeah, yeah. Death up, of the Inhumans number two. Yeah, pick up the trade when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. And that's usually how all these episodes start off. They just go way off track and you gotta veer back in. But, but yeah, this episode is going to be about all about All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. So, Jeff, when Colton and I were both first getting into collecting comics in around 2016, it was you that walked around the counter when we were asking about Superman, and you grabbed this from your <laughs> shelf and said, this you should read. Yeah, so, hey everybody, I'm Jeff. Um... Trevor, thanks a bunch for letting me be on your podcast. You know, super breaks. excited to be here um, because yes, this is um, not only I think, in my not very humble opinion, uh, the best Superman story, but it is also just one of my favorite comic books, hands down. Um, in terms of how it makes me feel, uh, in terms of the place that it sort of holds in Superman's continuity, and also I think it's my single two favorite creators working at just about the peak of their craft. Um, yeah, so I, I think that it's sort of necessary reading for a lot of different regards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and I'm Roman. And yeah, I think this, and I, and I want to reread Superman for All Seasons, mm-hmm. I think is the yeah. title. Because I remember when that came out, I thought that was the quintessential Superman That's book. A great one. And I think the two of those together... Sum think, up everything Superman is. Like the, like the book says and advertised for Superman for all seasons, it's great for new people to get into Superman and kind of get like a building structure of him. And then this, yeah, pairs off with it nicely. Like, yeah. And this one, yeah, is a little bit more... Well, so in the all-star line, it's not meant to fit into continuity, and I think that works really uh, advantageously for Grant Morrison because he kind of gets to un- not mention a lot of things and... and sort of make up his own time frames uh, for things. So this isn't continuity-wise no. at all? Or is it self-contained? Yeah, okay. so self-contained doesn't fit into, like, the current incarnations of, like, Ma and Pa Kent. Uh, mm, doesn't right. fit the current Jor-El. Um, he actually talks about, like, Lex Luthor. This picks up 
right after Lex had moved to Metropolis and had created a couple patents that made him a billionaire and then he had weaponized something and then the government put him on house arrest but they kept him on house arrest building weapons for them. So when we meet him here, um, he's still relatively early in his career. So, and that's all in the back matter of the copy of this book that I'm reading. Um, Grant talks a lot about that stuff. I didn't know about that. Um, I was one, looking. Sorry, yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing that is fascinating to me is I did the math. Is this book <laughs> took two years and ten months to come out? Mm -hmm. So it took almost three years to get these 12 issues out. It started uh, November 16th, 2005, and ended September 17th, 2008. Wow. And I'm just like, that's, can you imagine, at one point, it took 20 weeks for issue five, uh, for issue six to come out after number five. So 20 weeks. Like oh. Five months. Can you imagine in this era, like they would just be like, "No, fuck you, Grant. Like we're just gonna have a fill-in artist. You can't do." This. I, th I thought I was getting greedy with Doomsday Claw. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's Boy, interesting. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say I just thought it was interesting because I was looking up Frank Quietly's history and <gasps> and it was saying that he was contracted for two for a two-year contract to do All Star Superman, yeah. so that it went longer than that. It's crazy. Um. Wow. Yeah, he's a notoriously slow artist. He also was dealing with a lot of like back. Uh, he, he got really sick or physically ill in creating this book and was not able to like he was in a lot of pain to be hunched over writing which is one of the reasons that it took so long but yeah two years is sort of Frank Quietly is slow but worth oh yeah. god he's hands down my favorite artist no questions asked he's he's my my favorite wow so the production of this book was like one of those those 12 labors. Exactly, right? <laughs> this is one of the 12 miracles that Frank Quitely and Grant Morrison did before they die. Yeah, and that explains so much, too, how I was telling Jeff the other day, reading this now, this is, thank you for this pick, because reading this over the last week, I was like, I don't, it was like reading it for the first time. I got, and I may have missed issues, now I'm thinking, because it took so long to come out, and I, and, I, and I was sick at the time during those years, so my brain wasn't all there, even less than it is now. And there was all sorts of stuff in here that I was like, this is completely new to me. And it's such a good read, you know, all in a couple of big chunks rather than spaced out over two Almost years. Almost three years. <laughs> yeah, three years. Yeah. I talked with Colton before we came to do the podcast since he couldn't make it today. And he said that he was happy to read it a second time because the first time he felt kind of just overwhelmed and didn't really have a base of Superman. Hmm. So now that he's read it a second time, he, he found it great. He said as a highlight reel of all the things that make Superman great. So, and it, that summed it up pretty yeah. well. Um, I was going to ask, though, before I forget, what would you describe Frank Quietly's art as? Like, when I look at it, I think, like, soft and bright. Yeah, I also think of it as a little grotesque um, in that all of his, his body proportions, all of his characters look a lot like him, and he's got a sort of lumpy, odd-shaped head, and... <laughs> All of his characters have these uh, uh, strange lines oh. all over their faces, yeah. and lines all over their skin, and nobody looks more real than a Frank Quietly drawing to me, but he, he also, they're also just a little bit, they're not perfect, and I think that that is what is awesome. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't want things to be, like I love Jim Lee, but that's just, it's so perfect, and big muscles, and tight jaws, and skin-tight suits, and Nobody can draw the way, you know, Superman's 
clothing actually hangs off of his body in spot. Like it's just, right. yeah, I. It's it's a tricky tricky thing to describe, but I think that it's uh, a master of realism, is what I would say. Highly influenced by Mobius and mm-hmm. uh, comic strips from the, you know, mid mid nineteenth century. He was really influenced by one called The Bruins, mm-hmm. which is a British comic strip. Mm. Well. Scottish, actually. So what do you say we jump into this and Let's figure it out? Let's get into this, and you just rein me in when I, yeah. when I get all excited. So this as, is my thing. As I was saying before, we'll basically just kind of go from little story to story, episode to episode, and, and kind of break down what's happening and what we're experiencing and talk about our thoughts, anything that really stands out to us. Uh, so I could, I'll start with the first one, which is a nice little four-panel kind of summary. Superman, planet, his planet's dying... Krypton, scientists' parents are watching their son get launched into space and then raised by a couple in Kansas. Like, real cool, like, quick, like, spark note, like, here's his origin, and then a cool double-page spread of him flying under the sun. Like It's the, like, perfect summary for the origin of Superman because everyone is relatively familiar with it. So to just get, you know, eight words... Mm-hmm. Two words per panel. It's everything you need to know. I almost feel like DC Rebirth did a good job of their Rebirth issues, kind of reintroducing the characters, but I almost feel like if Marvel and DC were to do another one of those again, if they just had a four-page, they could do each character just like this. I agree. That'd be great. <laughs> like, here's this character. Here we go. They did that really well, I think, in the Cosmic Ghost Rider number mm-hmm. one issue that came out yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It's like eight, or it's like 12 panels, but it's an entire life, but it's just, you know, single words on a... And, I think when you're dealing with characters that are timeless like this, that works really well. Yeah, super good. So, jumped right in. We're apparently in the sun. There's some kind of sphere ship going through the, through the sun. They're doing some research. And they start talking about they're all genetically modified humans. With They're, like, designed not to have, like, fear or anything. And then one dude's like, well, I'm also designed to be a bomb. And he just starts morphing right in front of everybody which is interesting. And then there's this real large, like, I thought she was an alien the first time I read it, just like the glare off her eyes. Yeah. Just kind of given the situation of the update what's with Superman, we get a cut to the Daily Planet with people talking about Superman heading up to the sun to rescue these scientists. Uh, sorry, this is the first time I've had, like, the feedback actually going at the same time. And uh, <laughs> I actually generally don't record with those on because oh. it is, I have a hard time hearing like a half second delay or anything. So mm-hmm. if you're able to do it, go for it. But on my my I, my brain doesn't work to have the headphones on. That's smart, yeah. I was definitely starting to get tangled up in my own words a couple times. Sorry. Oh, geez, yeah, no, yeah, no worries. Um, uh, and then I snapped like that so that when you're editing it, it'll create a real clear peak in the wave and you can just cut it out. Cool. And I'm happy to even show you how to do that. Oh, uh, yeah, we, we or snap or we clap. Yeah. Snap or clap. I'm um, no worry. This is a learning experience also <laughs> for me, and then it's like a journey for everybody that's listening to this too. No, yes, this is I, podcast. I'm still, I'm still just like you know throwing stuff onto the podcast and see what sticks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get to this whole kind of quick summary of them talking about Superman going for the sun, and then they I get into I love the fact Lex Luthor. Their their ship, their sun ship, is called the Ray Bradbury. Yeah. The Ray Bradbury. So, all throughout there, there's so many nods to just classic Silver Age and. Ray Bradbury, Golden Age of Sci-Fi and Superman. And so Ray, awesome. I'm not familiar with Ray Bradbury. He wrote uh, something Wicked This Way Comes, Fahrenheit 451. Oh, okay. Um, he's a he's a really wonderful yeah, the Mar- science fiction. The Martian author. Chronicles. Yep. Mm. Uh, All okay. Yeah, he's he's like the 
one of the grandmasters of yeah. sci-fi. Not so I think one thing that is worth mentioning as we're summarizing this book is Grant Morrison writes in a way that very frequently you don't know what's going on until you do. It's not it's non-linear. Yeah, and it's yeah. so like, you know, you're describing this beginning sequence and the first time I read this I had no idea what was going on. Like we're in the sun here, there's this like you're saying this creature is growing in size and he says it's a bomb he's death courtesy of Lex Luthor and then Superman is flying through the sun to rescue them and you're like what does that mean and then you know six or seven pages from now we understand what that means. yeah you, you get you get the question it's like what's going on here and then it goes to a different like scene a different location talking about a different thing it's like but what about the sun right like, what yeah, what yeah. about what's happening on the sun um so then yeah it's kind of this bounce like okay so Lex Luthor they're also talking about Lex Luthor um, and that he has been, he's trying to make a profit from it with, uh, doing some stuff with water, trying to get more money. And then we cut to Lex Luthor in the next page who, like you said, he's under house arrest basically. And he is delivering lines to something piloting, being piloted remotely, which you find out is this human bomb thing, which when you were saying Frank Quiley's are like I was saying, soft, mm -hmm. kind of colorful. But I also definitely see what you mean by grotesque, because the bomb creature and then some of the other stuff that show up later in this run, like the Bizarros, definitely creepy, definitely yeah. grotesque looking. Yeah, his, his parasite weird. is just horrifying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> parasite. Yeah. Uh, there is one character that he introduces later that I really enjoy. That for some reason I found it the cutest. It was Clerker, the Lizard Man. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I love this. I want to take it home. Uh, so you get Lex Luthor is piloting this human bomb thing and he's you know declaring that he's trying to take out superman again which you know is eventually thwarted you see superman show up and he gets the bomb out of this pod thing that's in the sun so that it can detonate but we find out that that is exactly what lex luther wanted he gets exposed to too much sun cells which is what this whole story is going to be about is that this scientist, which I think is the coolest, and I wish I'd seen Dr. him. Quinton. Yeah, I wish he shows up more yeah. in New Continuity. He's got a sweet rainbow coat. He's such a Grant Morrison creation. <laughs> yeah. Sweet rainbow Did, coat, Kane. Grant Morrison? Or is this a character that has been around before, Roman? No, this is okay. totally created for this series. Okay. Yeah, that was my thing. The only character that I feel has come close to this character is the Dr. Veritas character that shows up in Superman in, like, New 52 and the current run. She was in Supergirl. Mm. She lives in, like, a lab in the center of the Earth, basically. Uh, but I love this character's design and just so cool. He's like a Willy Wonka scientist, basically. <laughs> yeah, he's what yeah. I see. exactly. And, and to me, um, that character is sort of Grant Morrison mm -hmm. himself in here. Is is one one vibe that I got from that character is, as reading this the second time. I dig it. Time. I'd be happy if he walked around with a rainbow coat. <laughs> um, so they give him this good news, like, oh, cool, you got like a bunch of new powers. Awesome. But you're also dying. Like, yeah. <laughs> so the, he gets powered by the sun and now the sun's killing him from overexposure um, and then it kind of just they brush past that real fast and start talking about all these advancements that they're making so they're making they're manufacturing bizarros giant space like yeah, nitrogen giants the Voyager Titans yeah you know, Dr. Quintum is, is building uh, based on sort of bizarro drones, and then I can't remember if there was maybe some Superman DNA in there or something, but basically an army of, not necessarily an army, but a fleet of workers yeah. or aides, he, but they're also a security measure, um, one of the three measures that Superman helped him create uh, if, if he ever goes rogue. Mm -hmm. He does talk about the DNA, but he doesn't know how to crack it and figure right. it out because he doesn't know how to read the sequences. Right. 
So he wishes that he could have Superman's DNA is what he talks about. Seeds. Yeah. So Superman's coming to terms with him dying, and we get to a cut to the Daily Planet with, you know, what I find now more and more as a classic Clark Kent Superman persona is always, like, showing up and finding some way of, like, having an excuse for being right. late. Um, he's a late person, unfortunately, <laughs> and I don't know how that flies in this in this work world, but saves a kid. And I guess this is something that I'm going to just completely go off tangent real quick. Yeah. Why... Do not. Why do people? Why do so many people not like Superman? Or why is there not more people that like Superman compared to? I think Batman's a cool character and I like him, but this is a character where it's not. He's not. I get he's not edgy or dark. This is a character that does good yeah. all the time. He's not out just fighting criminals. Like even in the new runs, he's constantly like leaving conversation to go stop right. a disaster, save a life. He, I think any that, moment he can. I think that it goes back to the idea that unfortunately at some point being good stopped being cool. Mm -hmm. And the big complaint I hear about Superman in the store is that he's boring because he can do anything. And I had that same thought growing up. I was like, I feel like at the time I was like, well, everybody's going to fix Superman because he can do everything. But it's totally that Spider-Man, Uncle Ben thing. It's like he's got all these gifts which gives him the most responsibility to do things with them. And I appreciate that more and more as I've gotten older. It's I, like, I think he that's the does things. This story is sort of to respond to that. Like, oh, do you think he's flawless? Do you think that he doesn't have trials? Well, you know, the conceit of this story, as you know, Trevor just addressed, is it's basically the last days of mm-hmm. Superman as he's going to be dying from sun radiation. So what does the perfect, you know, human being uh, do you know as it's dying which seems like an impossibility Mm -hmm. so he and that's the perfect way to distill what superman is 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 to really paint um what the world would do without him and what does he do in these final days and as i was reading this story i it got harder and harder for me to want to finish it because as i was sitting next to my girlfriend this morning i was like there's three issues left and like he's gonna die and i don't want to read that like it's sad um but it's it's the best way to illustrate how tirelessly Superman works. Works, yeah. yeah. Any chance he can, he he's doing something like nonstop, like just it's great, and that's one of the big reasons yeah. that I'm happy you recommended this because that kicked off a whole, you know, collection of Superman stories. Like I got all the New Fifty Two. I'm enjoying every Rebirth issue, and I'm just getting more and more stories, like All-Star, All Seasons. Graham Morrison is, is really the person that, you know, six years ago in my life really hammered down the idea that, like, there isn't anything cooler than being a good person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Jesus Christ is in the, you know, is the figure he is. That's why I love Goku. Um, yeah. Jesus Christ, depending on how you want to look at it, a lot of people say is based on, you know, solar deities, which is a lot of the mythology of Jesus is actually predated by a, a lot of other cultures um but superman is also based on that same solar deity concept and it you know i, I just love the idea of valuing goodness instead of edgy coolness like i'm you said. i'm really glad that you're here to like support jesus and other <laughs> stuff because we really did not do a good job last last podcast i was hoping to make it a little bit more christ cast this week christ cast <laughs> i like i like christ cast it's good uh so, so i guess as we're just going through this we'll kind of mm-hmm. do an issue summary isn't it yeah. Is it cool to then just sort of like 
dissect aspects of that and then maybe talk about the role of that issue and the overall thing. For sure. Cool. So I'll let you finish. Yeah. So um, it's just kind of continuing. He's, he's received the news. He shows back up at the Daily Planet um, in his Clark Kent persona. We go to Lex Luthor, who is getting arrested, and he's totally fine with it. And then the final page, couple pages, is Superman, or Clark Kent hanging out with Lois Lane, his love interest, I, you you could say. Yeah. Um, and him finally revealing at the end, while she's having this conversation and not really paying much attention, he's trying to get her attention to bring up the topic that he's Superman, and he finally just whips off his glasses and, you know, flashes the S, which could have been misinterpreted if she didn't wait for a second. Uh, flash of the S and you just see the grocery bag that she was carrying in her book just hit the ground. So kind of that big like jaw drop moment. So I think I think that was good. I mean, finding out, yeah, you you've got he makes a makes a hard decision that inevitably is going to kill him um, and figuring out how to process that and you know, he wants to tell the person that matters to him the most in his life who he is and share a secret. So you know, he makes that risk finally because he's, you know, on on his way to, to death's door, basically. Right. Um, so a couple things in this issue. Yeah. Uh, I love Grant Morrison, but what I realized rereading this is that I love him so much when he's buoyed by Frank Whiteley. And, and Frank Whiteley, I think, is just maybe the, the unsung star of this book. I think Grant Morrison gets a lot of credit, but there are things in here that are just demonstrate an absolute masterful uh, understanding of the craft. So at one point here, we just have this scene of a child. It's a, a page divided into four horizontal panels, and the third mm-hmm. one down is a child running to chase a dog as a truck is oncoming, and the truck is a little bit blurred. And Frank Whiteley knows the way a human eye reads a, a panel, and you know that you go left to right. So as you're analyzing this panel, you see this child chasing after a dog in the blurry truck, and then just in the small right corner of that, you see Superman swooping in. He's you know smaller than one of the wheels on the truck, mm-hmm. uh, just in the back. But it's this perfect way of having a static image give you the feeling of motion like your brain processes oh no this child's running oh god we need superman oh there he is like it's it's this incredible awareness of the medium and then on the next page we have clark kent fumbling with his outfit as he's trying to arrive late at you know at work and he makes himself look foolish by like intentionally knocking things over but also knocking over a coffee and then catching it and setting it like on a town or a counter while also fixing his tie it's this yeah, as he moves from one side of the panel to the other across in front of Steve Lambert and Cat Gant's desk to Perry White's office door. And, and that's telling its own little story there, but you're still wondering, well, what about the kid and the dog? Right. Yeah. It doesn't even need resolution. Yeah, and then, he get, and then he gets Clark, stumbles, falls on his butt in Perry's office. And Perry asks, where the hell have you been, Kent? And then we get the panel resolving what happened to the kid and the dog. He, that's why he was late, because right. he was saving this kid. I like. I also like that Frank Cloudy and Grant Morrison do a good job in this story, both artistically and talking about it, of pointing out the fact of how he can pull off being Clark Kent and not being caught as Superman. Because I always laughed about as a kid, like taking off the glasses. Right. Like, oh, it's okay. But somehow he's able to make himself look flabby and just out of shape whenever yeah, he so, goes to work. Yeah, that, that page in the back matters. Yeah, this picture of like the spinal cord is the same spinal cord but the you know frank quietly justifies that a person could look this different by changing their back posture yeah which when reading that one actually made me think wow 
this is just like Christopher Reeve in the Superman yep. movies because he would slump his shoulders and change his body posture and everything, much like George Reeves in the 50s TV Superman show. He never did that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. it was always obviously, oh, there's Superman in the Clark Kent suit. Right. And he always looked like this buff ultimate man. That's great. It's, it's yeah. just this fascinating. Is, this is good. Because Luther, at one point, this, someone in one of these issues calls Clark flabby. Yeah, he... And <laughs> I was thinking, well, he's not really flabby, but he does definitely look softer. All and... of his clothes hang loose, so <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't know if he's flabby or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, makes a, he, makes com- he makes a bunch of comments about that in the prison chapter. He's like, you could look like Superman if you really tried. Yeah. Like, you give him a run for your money. He, like, constantly points out, like, oh, you've got the eyebrows swoop. You're like, <laughs> you know, this many people in the world are all doing it to look just like him. It's like... It's kind yeah, it's of like a, on the nose. Yeah, it's amazing that Luther, as smart as he is, has never figured out, you know, that he's Clark Kent. He figured out, I mean, he's figured out Batman's identity. Right. I don't know how he can't figure out Superman's identity. <laughs> he's got less less think, things I, covering his face. Yeah, I, I think just because Lex is so, his arrogance and everything and his hatred of Superman, he just can't accept the idea that they could possibly be the same person. Right. Yeah, he can't settle with it. He's got too high of expectations of what yeah. it should be. Ooh, but that'd be a really cool angle too if he did figure it out and then because it would fuel his rage against Superman even more because he'd be like and you have the arrogance to pretend to be one of us Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) a famous one of us perfect there we go Um, okay so issue two um, has the one Roman pointed out last night the one artistic flaw in the entire book before you get right to that can I just point out point out to the listeners when you read this if you read it which we all hope you do because of course you will it's brilliant um I love at the end of issue one, it's the first instance when Lois and Clark are going through the crosswalk. There's these all these fun little moments, and you mentioned this, Trevor, that throughout each of these issues where Superman, as Clark, he's still saving people, but he's masking it in his bumbling way, mm-hmm. and, and he prevents a guy and his dog from getting yeah, hit, when he's hit by, a, by a truck. <laughs> the falling. Yeah, by running into the guy <laughs> like and everything. looking like an oaf. And <laughs> I didn't even notice that the first time I read and then Yeah, because you don't like, notice him right away. Yeah, when I was reading this, uh, the other day, I saw that again. I was like, oh, okay. Like, so clever. I mean, I guess with the way things go in this, I could have fallen. I could fall for Clark Kent being Superman. Oh, oh yeah. I would never even notice. Yeah. I'd see that guy fall over. I'm like, what a dummy. <laughs> what a oh. <laughs> yeah, what a no. <laughs> see him save somebody. Also, <laughs> I love the the covers Yeah. for all of these by Frank Quietly. I feel like they would be so good for our local donut shop as, like, posters that they have up in their thing because yeah. they all are very sci-fi even if it wasn't Superman just Lois Lane hiding behind a door with a big like bulbous laser gun <laughs> like about to shoot Superman it looks so good Grant talked that he wanted all the covers to harken back to the Silver Age of comics where it it wasn't just like glamour shots of characters mm-hmm. but there was actually a, a story being told in all of the covers mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think that they really effectively do that with the exception of issue 1 and 10 which they intentionally made glamour shots solid um, so issue number two is an interesting issue in here. Um, this starts with uh, Superman flying Lois Lane out to his Fortress of Solitude, and he's flying beneath a car. And Roman did bring up that <laughs> it looks like Superman is just holding the car by the front bumper. I think you could choose to interpret that visually different ways. Oh, um, yeah. The car structure probably wouldn't hold up if he was holding it by the front bumper, but I would pause it that A, this is comic books, and B, like when they lift up the bridges at different times, those bridges oh. would all fall yeah, apart. That's true. Like we just gotta suspend disbelief. Or, or yeah, or maybe, you know, because he cares a lot about Lois Lane, he made Jimmy Olsen this crazy watch. Maybe he 
Right. Maybe he's designed this car for this specific need to where if he could just grab by the front bumper and fly fast enough that it stays <laughs> up. And that's what I thought, but still be able to fly and not worry about ripping the bumper off. Maybe yeah. he's designed. He's got like little handholds behind the bumper you can't see. Oh yeah, it doesn't it doesn't detract from the magic of the moment at all. Just, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate Roman because I I lose all objectivity when it comes to this art. <laughs> I didn't really notice like yeah when you pointed out like yeah he's like kind of in front of it which. Yeah, when they show the off. side view, it doesn't look like he's resting it on his back or legs, or really. Or not even on the second page. He's definitely in front of it. Yeah. It's definitely I just, I just in noticed, front. I just noticed on the the frontispiece, frontis page, whatever they call these, there's little tiny, four little tiny squares that are from future issues. You know what's strange is that yeah, my version oh, has... You have something different. ...has Six. 20 little images. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Jeff's got the hardcover absolute. Do we got a Trevor and I have a going on? Or are we gonna unlock a puzzle right here? <laughs> but so we get uh, Superman and Lois. They show up at the Fortress of Solitude. It's my probably favorite incarnation of the way the Fortress of Solitude can look. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I dig all the crystals and stuff, but mm -hmm. this looks like he carved a home out of a mountain. Yeah. Uh, in the Arctic. I like the mountain more than I like the crazy crystal thing yeah. going on. I like his key in this too. Right. And I like so how he describes it. She says, "Well, you know, how do you, how do you feel about the?" Your, what happened to your big gold key? And he's like, ah, I didn't like the idea of somebody be able to use it. So he forged a new key out of like a, a dwarf star and it's incredibly heavy and he sets it down and it breaks the cement that it's sitting on. So good. Uh, Superman uh, tells the, the Superman robots that he has created at the Force of Solitude to take Lois's car and get it fixed because he could hear a slight abnormality in the engine. Um, yeah, there was a, he smelled a leak. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and then Superman takes Lois into the fortress, and we get this amazing Frank Quietly double-page spread of all of the random things that Superman has connect, collected over the years. Not quite as impressive as the Batcave. No, he's got... So isn't the Batcave... Doesn't he have a quarter, like, two-faced? It's, it's a penny. Two-faced, yeah. From, uh, it's a penny in the Batcave also? Yeah, yeah. from yeah. one of the early penny? Batman adventures. I was yeah. going to say, is this like a poor man's Batman? <laughs> yeah, and he's got a Joker cave. penny here, too. But he's also yeah. got the Columbia Spatial and the Titanic. Right. Yeah, <laughs> No, I didn't I notice that. the Titanic in the background until later in the chapters when I saw that they were eating in it. Right. Yeah. Okay. And beyond that, he got the original menu from the Titanic yeah. to be served to he and Lois. So I also, when I first read this, I when I was like talking with Colton about this, and it said Superman's Forbidden Room. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa. Bondage Superman. I was like, Red Room Superman yeah. here. <laughs> Superman Red. <laughs> I thought there was just blue. Mm. Um, so... Uh, so this issue is mostly Superman taking Lois around the fortress, but an important thing that happens is that she stumbles onto a room where she sees a bunch of schematics and uh, images of her uh, naked body or her bones or her nervous system, and there's a robot working on a computer, and there's a bunch of smoke around it. And uh, Superman says, hey, don't go in that room. And she's like, well, that's a little bit weird. And then we get Superman's continuing to tour around. He introduces her to the uh, sun-eating monster that he found in the rings of Saturn that he's Real been cool. growing. Yeah. As yeah. the baby sun-eater. And he's yeah. got like a anvil, like a like thing to make new suns with. And which is so just cool. such an awesome idea. Yeah. Um, but then we're you know we're at d dinner in the Titanic, and and the, this double page spread of them having dinner in the Titanic, we're introduced to a visual motif that uh, returns throughout the entire series, which is um, one side of the page being a, an, a total page height vertical panel, and then mm -hmm. five horizontal small pages or panels right next to it. I think that's an interesting thing that recurs in most of the issues throughout here, and I I bet there's some intention behind that. But as we were having uh, dinner, 
we see that Lois keeps viewing Superman in black and white, and that's uh, explained by her finally being exposed to the, the the black and white nature of their relationship or Superman. And she gets slowly more and more paranoid and ungrateful in my eyes and sort of freaked out about Superman. Yeah. Until the point where she uh, finds one of the weapons that Superman had showed her in his art, you know, arsenal room. And she, it's a Kryptonian, or it's a green kryptonite gun, and she tries to shoot Superman with it. And at that point we realize, Superman actually realizes that he's no longer uh, susceptible to kryptonite. And that's probably because of the radiation he's been exposed to. But more importantly, Superman says, hey, I think you were exposed to some chemicals in this room that cause delusions and paranoia. And he then takes her into the room that she was forbidden to go into, and he shows her that because it's her birthday tomorrow, he says, happy birthday, Lois, and he whips out a superwoman suit that is for her. So we see that the schematics and everything were actually uh, to create this awesome new costume for her because tomorrow is her birthday. Um, solid. Solid. So yeah, I, this the main thing that stood out to me in this issue is that Lois is a little all over the map. Yes. Yeah, because of the chemicals, but... But because of the chemicals, well, she also... I mean, ever since the beginning of this chapter, too, she's in denial that it's Clark Kent that's right. Superman. She refuses to believe it. And she gets more and more upset as it goes, even before the chemicals. And then the black and white panels of her talking about the relationship together, just, I feel like everything is, like, unraveling for her on it. Right. Yeah, it's a... It's, it's, a, it's an interesting... It's an interesting issue... This one and the next one sort of make me question how much I like Lois Lane. They kind of did with me too, and it's <clears throat> and it's an interesting um both homage and and kind of inversion of Lois throughout the Silver Age, where she's always trying to prove that Clark and Superman were the same person, and now here she's offered that information, and she's like, no, that can't be, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I spent an entire age trying to prove this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's there, it's like, no. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I felt about the All-Star Superman was the big chapters of Lois' interactions are this one here, her day as Superwoman, mm -hmm. uh, which we're coming up on, and then maybe a couple things. And, I, yeah, I felt like she was just all over the place and kind of just not happy about the Clark Kent stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't, for me, like, the best portrayal of Lois Lane And it's once it's, it got to, like past a certain point. It's interesting because in the back, um, Grant, he says, uh, Lois Lane was an older, wiser amalgamation of her previous appearances, and we really wanted to show why Superman would fall in love with this human woman. Apart from her obvious beauty, our Lois had to be clever, witty, compassionate, understanding, suspicious, cynical, insulting, courageous, and even reckless. I mean, I guess she is all those things. She's all of those, those things, things. But it's... It's, it's still a little bit like, eh. I don't know about witty. <laughs> yeah. The next issue particularly, I'm sort of like, Lois, why are you letting these guys fight over you? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of felt like she was Playing the least games. developed of the characters. Yeah. 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 And, and that's kind of a nod, too, also to the Silver Age stuff where plenty of covers where Lois would be like playing two guys off each other to make Superman jealous mm -hmm. or what? playing some. Yeah. yeah all on, that Lois. kind of stuff. <laughs> and along, along with the whole idea that you know, Lois gained superpowers for a day. I mean, mm -hmm. that used to happen all the time back in the Silver Age. Um, I was really impressed in this whole series how each issue, he's telling this overarching story, but he's also in every issue making at least one nod, sometimes two or three, to various 
story beats that were that were always revisited in Silver Age. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help to think that her costume is awesome, but I wonder how many women read this and think, oh, of course Superman made her this like costume with this thigh-high bottom piece. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I write that off as being, uh, you know, just typical male dude, but I, I want I want to believe it's for a reason. I think it is very Silver Agey. It is. I, I love it, her emblem. It is all really does harken back to the Silver Age of Superman in, in a lot of that stuff. But you're, you're absolutely right. It is still. Yeah. I, I, love, and I, I was, love her symbol. Yeah, the symbol's cool. I was going with, like, it was some kind of Kryptonian, like, dress Formal thing. Formal wear or something. Yeah. Like, oh, like yeah. to play it off as, like, that's the reason mm-hmm. why it's thigh high. It's much more Kryptonian-looking than, say, his his trunks. Yeah. Someone else quietly did this. I that I noticed the way he draws men's packages. Oh, dude. <laughs> the so, fold of the cloth and everything. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. so good. Well, yeah. but Jimmy later on at one point wears Kryptonian trunks like Superman's because oh. they're like fashionable yeah. Kryptonian trunks. So he even sort of addresses the way that he draws Kryptonian trunks. There, yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of dick dick-sized jokes in this. Are there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got like well, there's a lot of dick humor cuz you've got at the beginning uh Cat Grant uh, when it cuts to her at the very first one, she's watching uh she's watching the guy washing windows and they're and it's Lois Lane saying, "I said how big is it? How big is it?" I have no idea, but I'd say it's pretty enormous from where I'm standing. It's oh her God, looking at checking out that dude. I didn't even realize <laughs> yeah. that that was what's going on. Dick humor, unless it's Django saying it, oftentimes go, goes right over my head. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, yeah, like with the Lois Lane outfit, like, yeah, it could be a Kryptonian thing. It wasn't designed for human legs. <laughs> like, that's the reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh. then, yeah, there's the, there's the Samson and... Atlas ones, which I can't wait to ask questions about those guys. Yeah, Roman, get those, us, get us those on tools. Three here. Okay. Though, as far as I know, that's the first time we've seen those ver- those versions of the gods. Are they gods? Are they actually gods? Or one of the time is definitely in comics. Uh, but you got to talk. You got to yeah. talk about the first page of that episode. Okay. So okay. So we're on issue three. Yeah. Sweet dreams, Superwoman. Um, which is oh, great. Another great cover. Clark looking kind of like, oh, this, this superwoman steps in front of him, and I'll take care of this. Okay, so the issue opens with um, Lois opening her present from Superman, which is the um, the super serum he made to give her superpowers for 24 hours. Um, and I do love this panel with her because he says happy birthday to her, and she says, you're serious? I get to be like you for a whole day? And she's looking up at him, and then it zooms in, the, zooms in on her face as she's like, bring it on, and gulps it down. And I love that. <laughs> no, she has hesitation. no hesitation. Yeah. Exactly. And that's she what I like about her. I feel like each chapter that she plays like a bigger role in in this story, she, for me, honestly, she starts off really, really strong, and then it kind of goes into like playing the aspects of her like cynical, like witty humor. Where it's like, like I want you to have that, but it's also kind of. You now you're playing you're playing some men at each other. Right. Kind of it's like you start off real strong and then it's kind of like yeah. Mm. But I think we're all we're a couple of we're we're three good boys. Yeah. We're 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 people who <laughs> like uh, loyalty. I don't think any of us are people who really like the game. No. <laughs> so like for me, that's what this comes back to is like nothing is more appealing to me than two people that love each other mm-hmm. and wouldn't ever want the other person to have to doubt that. Yeah. I'm the kind of guy that like if my girlfriend was gonna be having me play uh, two other guys to make me feel like. I need to compete for attention. I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. gave you superpowers, so yeah. like, I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, 
so that's the scene with those two. And then we flash into Metropolis, and 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 there's uh, big lizard creatures led by this big red lizard creature named Kroll. Oh, so cute looking. And they're destroying downtown. <laughs> so happy. He's like a he's like a Barney. <laughs> yeah, and they are they are very cute. He's adorable. Um, he's got all these like I don't know Rasta necklaces he's and stuff on. Stuff and he's Metropolis. Yeah, <laughs> I love him. Um, Steve Lambert's la- yelling at him because he's about to destroy Steve's car. Um, Cat Grant, they're all up on the roof. We don't want to find out who these flowers are for. There's Steve's got some a bouquet of flowers there, and I'm not sure who they're for. I thought it was for Lois because it was her birthday. They were all sense. they were all planning oh, to go to her birthday be, party. Okay. So these dinosaur men came up from the the center of the earth, and all good traditions. There's all sorts of alien races in the center of the mm-hmm. earth. Um, Superman's trying to call, or Jimmy's trying to call Superman on his signal watch, which this is the coolest looking signal watch I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, the Superman comic is so awesome. And Superman and Lois are flying around, and Lois says, "Oh, I'm going to take care of these lizard dudes." They go down there, but there's this long-haired guy that's already beaten up the lizard dudes. He throws the cute crawl red lizard into space, accidentally like wiping out a uh, man-made satellite as he does it. <laughs> And it's Samson, apparently Samson from uh, the Bible. Well, so listen, we were all just talking about how, like, oh, Grant, why are you draw- per- you know portraying Lois this way? And then I skip to the back and I cut- go to the Samson section with Grant talking about it, and he says, "Not strictly villains, more rivals of Man of Steel. Samson and Atlas were inspired by covers like the one from Action Comics 279, 1961, where a shocked Superman is confronted by the spectacle of Lois Lane and Lana Lang arm in arm with Hercules and Samson." And you're like, damn it, Grant, you did this because it's actually an homage to history. Like, it's not it's not even a flaw in Lois's character. You're no. actually referencing a comic book from 50 years ago. Oh, that's awesome. And that's that's great. Keep, you know, you know, keeping all the eggs in a basket, doing some Easter eggs here. But, man, just a couple of tools. Yeah, a couple of tools. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are. And, so, I lo- and I love their design. I love the fact that Atlas, great. before you even know he says that he's Atlas or anybody does, you can guess it is because his clasp, his big honking clasp, he has to keep his cape, cape together, is a picture of the Earth. So yeah. you're like, oh, has a Greek beard, must be Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they're here to try and win Lois's favor um, again, which apparently they have this long-standing from since 1961 rivalry with Superman <laughs> for her. <laughs> um, I love the way Atlas speaks. He's very classical, very insulting, but. Sounds classy while he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And they propose a contest, a challenge of the ages with Superman and the Im- of incredible feats. Um, the most incredible feat wins her company, which, of course, that Lois is a little like, what wins my company? Yeah, <laughs> but, it's so diminutive. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 she, and this is where, like, she's solid, like, you know, independent, great. And then yeah. she starts going along with it a little bit towards the end. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. all right. Yeah. Superman just gave you power. Exactly. Just... Yeah, exactly. So Superman takes the the renegade dinosaur men back to the where they live in the center of the earth and has a little discussion with their leader, um, Dinozar Tyrannico. Great name. Yeah. <laughs> so many great characters and new characters in this. Uh, Samson gives Lois a necklace, um, which is pretty ostentatious. Uh, da, 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 da. It's a radioactive necklace too. We find yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Everything comes back around again later. Um, and Atlas reveals, or Samson reveals that he's a time traveler, and he shows super. He pulls a 
newspaper out of his bag and shows Superman this Daily Planet headline, and you can't see the date, but it says Superman dead. So uh, Samson is, is like, well, it looks like she'll be needing a shoulder to cry on pretty soon, which is pretty insensitive, mm-hmm, but yeah. all's fair in love and war. So they start their feats. Um, oh, and then the necklace, spoilers. We got spoilers in here. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> spoilers, we're going to talk about every aspect of this book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a flash of light, and the, what is this thing called? It's got a great name. Um, who remembers it? You know, uh, the sweet oh, the, sphinx the, the Ultra Sphinx. Yeah. The Ultra Sphinx shows up. Turns out Samson stole, they stole this necklace from the Ultra Sphinx. He shows up, grabs his necklace, snaps Lois's neck, <laughs> Which is, of course, Superman's freaked out by, and the way, I don't know if this is Grant's idea or, or Quitely's, but the way the Sphinx speaks, oh, it's I, I one that. word's kind of in these weird But it changes the way that you read yeah, the comic. Yeah, this weird telepathic Every word's blocks. in a different bubble. And it, and yeah, yeah, it forces you to slow down and just kind of feel the power of this bean. Yeah. Um, this bean? Bean. I mean, bean is, yeah, because it's like you can, if you really... Take time, you could read it as return what was stolen and pay the price. But when I read it, it's like return what was stolen and pay the price. I, I, I did it like Olmec from Legend of the Hidden Temple oh. or something. <laughs> like return <laughs> what is stolen. Yeah. So good. And it's fascinating because Superman finds out you two idiots stole that necklace, right? And they admit it. And then they kind of like, oh, well, you know, if things go wrong, we have to fight him. We'll, we'll stand by your side. And Superman's just like, we won't have to fight, and you know it. <laughs> Shut up and get behind me. Um, and it turns out Lois, she's like Schrodinger, Schrodinger's cat at this point. She's neither alive or dead. She's in an in-between state. I love it. And depending on if Superman can answer the riddle of the Ultra Sphinx correctly, then she'll be saved. What is that? Is that the first first of his 12 feats? I think that's the first of the so, feats, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. He, well, sorry, that's oh, it has the, Does your Absolute Edition have his 12 feats in there? Oh, yeah. Superman oh, wow. saves the first man mission to the sun was the first oh, feat. The okay. second, he's Superman brews the super elixir. The mm. third, super, Superman answers the unanswerable question. This Absolute Edition is my favorite book that I own. If anybody likes this story, everyone should go buy this version of it. It's the best book in print. I love it more but, than my child. That <laughs> that is cool. That's got. I mean, there's back matter in the soft cover edition, a little but bit, there's but more not, back, yeah. a lot more back matter in the hardcover. Oh, well, I, I think thankfully we do got that sweet in ours. The the spinal, yeah, the, the spinal uh, thing with Superman. So that now I can always reference to explain. This is how he gets oh, away with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Superman answers the question, and the Sphinx. I love that close up, a side view of his face. He, not quite a smile, but he says, response, acceptable. And Lois is okay. And the Sphinx and the necklace are gone. <laughs> Easy. And they do a little bit more feeding, but uh, yeah, Roman, take me to that. Yeah, take they do a little more, page. and then they, they um, and then the two, Samson and what's his name, Atlas, are still prodding away. How about I wrestle you for her? Or is the mighty man of steel a coward after all? Even the S on his back is yellow. And Superman turns around, super pissed looking. <laughs> says, okay, that's enough, both of you. And then we flash to somewhere, the volcano on the horizon, they're on some little atoll somewhere in the sea, and Superman is about to arm wrestle both of them at the same time. He's got one arm each. <laughs> and, and Lois is in the background, yeah, and I didn't, 
This one's kind of goofy because apparently they're exerting so much force that this atoll is starting to That's collapse. That's Dragon Ball Z shit right yeah. there. Is that, oh, okay, cool. I mean, I don't think they're referencing Dragon Ball but, but, Z, but, but yeah, it's a good all the time explanation, yeah. And Lois is in the background. And at the, this point, yeah, she is kind of watching, looking kind of amused until, like, a boulder falls and cracks over right. her head. And, like, <laughs> let's not all shit on Lois for that. Everyone yeah. likes to have people yeah. want And you got to admit, it would yeah. be really cool seeing Superman wrestling... Right. Two su- supposedly Greek gods, or demigods, um, over you. I'd be flattered. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So they start they start wrestling. They start straining. You see a great panel. I, this panel at the top of this page seventy two in my book, um, and you just see from Superman's viewpoint, Atlas and and Samson, both gripping Superman's hands, both really straining. But obviously, Superman is just looking over their shoulders at Lois. She's not even looking at any of them. She's just kind of brushing her hair and looking off. <laughs> and then you see Atlas or Samson scream and pullback shot, and uh, his arm is twisted at the elbow out this horrible compound fracture. Yeah, compound fracture, which he'd be in incredible pain if he was human. Um, and and a- Atlas is still trying to wrestle him. And then Superman whistles. The island collapses. He beats Atlas. <laughs> And next we see Atlas in the hospital, both arms in a cast. But apparently he, he scored with the uh, nurse. And then we see Superman and Lois on their date in... I never know how to pronounce this. Atlantis? Pos- no, it's... Pos- oh, Poseidon? The, o- the other... Pos- used to be Poseidonis. in Silver Age, the other city. There was Atlantis and Poseidonis. Poseidonis. Okay. I can't yeah. say it. We're but they went on Pasadena. a date down there. They went on a date down there. And it's, this is beautiful because they, they come up out of the water, they fly, and they're flying up toward the moon... And there's all the the Poseidon and this, the mer people are flopping out of the water, like waving at them and jumping out of the water. And there's a submarine too, and everybody's just waving at them. And Superman says, "You know, I've always wanted to do this with you." And the, and next, they're on the moon. They're kissing with the Earth Earth rise behind them. So that's one of the best pages in the book. I yeah, feel like. Yeah. Um, and well, first time I heel. met Frank quietly six years ago, I took a paperback version of volume one and I had him sign that page for my girlfriend who is not my girlfriend now and it said to Megan from Jeff and Frank and <laughs> I don't know where the hell she is or where that book is anymore but I sure wish that my actual awesome amazing <laughs> future wife girlfriend uh, could have that book because <laughs> darn darn yeah, yeah that's a there's a super feat because you're still you have a you have a number don't you Megan's but you can't really call them up and say hey you know that can I get that back? Can I get that <laughs> sweet autographed page by Frank Quietly back from you? <laughs> return. Um, yeah, it's a great one page. Just she's gonna be kicking up her kicking up her foot. It's a little you know, moon dust. The classic, yeah, the yeah, moon dust, and, so and it's good. multicolored moon dust. It's reflecting their colors. Oh. And then they're back on Metropolis at her apartment, um, in each other's arms. She kind of falls asleep in her arms. She still doesn't believe that he's Clark Kent. Yeah. Kind of, kind of obvious at this point. Yeah, and then she falls asleep, so he carries her into bed and tucks her in and kisses her forehead. It's so sweet. And then he leaves. What a good sweet dreams, Superwoman. Sweet dreams, Superwoman. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a very interesting like, chapter. I had no, yeah, no idea who Samson or Atlas were when I was going in. I was just like, this is a weird, just... Yeah, and shenanigans I'm, story that Samson cause. is a character whose strength is directly related to the length of his hair. So at one point in that issue, he says, "Well, I'm not afraid of anything except for scissors." Yeah, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's because yeah, yeah, from the Bible, Samson of Delilah. It's okay. one of the 
one of the parables. So at some point Bible he becomes thing. a Christ time cast. traveler. Okay, well, I'm waiting for... I didn't see the Samson movie that came out, but I'm waiting for Samson, <laughs> wait for Samson yeah. 2 to come out then. And I'm really curious if Morrison has anything in there about these two, because they've both been various versions of both these characters in comics, oh, Mar- Marvel and DC and everything, but I don't know if these particular interpretations have shown up we before this. We got a good couple, couple paragraphs on each from Grant. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well... Like, there's a different atlas that has shown up in... Superman that used to have his own title in DC, but oh, okay. completely different from this atlas. There's multiple atlas. They have like shifts, who holds up the world kind of thing. Yeah. You got like your Monday through Friday atlas and your weekend atlas kind of thing. <laughs> the Atlee. The Atlee. So the, the next issue oh. is the Jimmy Olsen one. And, yeah. And just before we get into it, this is my favorite incarnation of Jimmy Olsen that I've read, but I haven't read a lot of the Jack Kirby adventures of Jimmy Olsen from way back in the day. Mm. Um, but. This is highly influenced by that one, I know. So I would probably appreciate that as well. Yeah, yeah. This definitely is a Jimmy Olsen that harkens back to the best Jimmy Olsen stuff. Cause, and Grant says in the back, he always hated the Jimmy Olsen that's just a a bumbling dope. Right. Because that doesn't make sense. Why would Sup- Why would he be best friends with Superman has, if he was just a clod? Has he always <laughs> been like a rich person? Jimmy? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Is he rich nowadays? Well, in New 52, he got rich. He's rich in this. In New 52, he was rich. He hasn't done anything in Rebirth. Like, he's made like like, one or two appearances, but there's no like stories that are really like that he's part of. He just hmm. he makes a cameo here or there in the background and says one or two things, and that's it. He just seems like a a pretty accomplished journalist at this point, is is Mm -hmm. my read on it. Yeah, and we don't know why he has like. Other than maybe that he knows Superman, he's got a good reputation. Maybe the Daily Planet's financing some of his his gadgets and things. Mm-hmm. Like I just noticed when we were going over this in the first issue, he shows up and there's no mention made of it really. But he, as he walks around the corner to Lois's desk, he has on he has the helmet and the rocket pack that we see later in the mm-hmm. last issue mm-hmm. when he shows up. And you never know why he has these things, other than the fact that in the Silver Age he was called Mister Action was his his like byline. And he would go out for these action-oriented stories, and so he would get into all these adventures and crazy stuff, and have crazy gear sometimes. And so it's just part of that. I didn't know about that. I always thought of him as just he was just this photographer that was always there, like taking photos of Superman, and became his buddy. I didn't know he had like all this stuff. And yeah, this issue is very interesting because they talk about that he has, yeah, he's, he's got his own column in the in the Daily Planet. It's the something something for a day. Yep, and for a day. For a day, yeah. and the first page of this uh, run is him talking with his girlfriend, supposedly, and she's talking about how she might go see another guy. He comes out, and he's wearing a, a female's outfit, um, talking about his recent escapades, doing his four-a-day, and we go into him talking with Perry White about what his next what his next yeah. four-a-day article is going to be, and it's him getting to take over for Science Willy Wonka at <laughs> his moon lab. Um and so he's getting the rundown of what he what what's going to happen as being the leader for a day or whatever. Uh, Science Willy Wonka takes off, and as soon as he does, Jimmy Olsen puts on his sweet coat, which really can't say enough. I I want yes. them to bring this coat back. This Technicolor dream coat. Yeah, the sweet shades and Technicolor dream coat. Jimmy Olsen is just so cool in this. You know, they also don't mention in this particular myth Lucy. Who was often his girlfriend back then? That's mm-hmm. Lucy Lane, Lois's sister. Oh. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. At least in the, I don't know if it is in this book, but in the old continuity, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Wow. No idea. So, yeah, he's getting a tour of the facility by some of the workers, and they go about talking about their G types, how they're all designed to be specialists at specific things. So that was very interesting. 
Uh, you get a quick panel of them running by Doomsday, the Doomsday Vault, mm. which I thought was a great tease, and I didn't know they were going to go anywhere with that until <laughs> later. And then you find a weird gravity well thing that they're at. Um, another seed another later on. Another seed later on, which, yeah, I like how like these things come back and play into later, which they almost fall into, and Superman shows up to take care of the issue, uh, thanks to Jimmy's sweet watch. But as he's pulling something out, uh, we find a black turd, and it's black kryptonite, which... <laughs> the densest turd around. It is the densest turd. It turd. also looks a lot like that dark side cover. Oh yeah, it's really good. Um, I also I was confused though in this next panel. So he's because of this black kryptonite, he doesn't feel anything at first, but it's slowly making him more aggressive. Just the opposite. The opposite, and yeah, dumbs him down. But at one point, as Jimmy Olsen's talking to him, he talks about a gypsy's curse, which he mentions at the beginning of the chapter. No idea what he's talking about. But it's an important part of this whole issue, yeah. which is why does Jimmy have such horrible luck this whole issue? <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was weird that in one of the panels, as Superman's sitting at a table and Jimmy's talking to him, all of a sudden he moves his hand and there's a just Superman emblem steaming. So that is a thing I also spent time on, and I think the, the flaw there is that there is not a panel where he's drawing it with his eyes. Yeah. Well, and you can see it in the panel right before yeah. that. It's sketched in there, mm-hmm. yeah, but there isn't a shot in, of him doing it. Yeah, they're staring intently at, at it turns out, that. Because that caught me at first, too. I was like, wait, how, how'd that get there? And I just love that implication that, yeah, he was burning it into the desk with his heat vision. But yeah. unlike a lot of artists, he doesn't draw necessarily draw the actual heat vision mm-hmm. rays. And I think it could have benefited maybe from implying that somewhere, but mm-hmm. who am I to question God? Yeah, no worries. So, yeah, then Superman starts getting aggressive and begins to start attacking. Uh, and after that point, he flies off and starts heading towards Earth. Jimmy's talking with the rest of the people at this facility, and they're dispatching everything that they have to combat Superman. So they've got their, you know, G-modified people, their giant... Uh, what you call them? Like giant, the giant people. Oh, yeah, so whatever. Titan, something. The titans, titan, yeah, yeah, the titans that also have laser vision. Also, uh, nothing stopping them. They're talking about their fallback plans. Is they could either, I mean, fallback plan one is these things, and they're not stopping them. Fallback plan two is the Phantom Zone, and Jimmy doesn't want that because one, it's going to take a while, and two, yeah, like, it's a one way trip. A one way <laughs> trip. So option three is Jimmy shows up in Metropolis to challenge Superman. He's got a dart gun, his sweet rainbow coat, and as <laughs> Superman learns when he tries to heat vision Jimmy, indestructible watch. Kind of cool. I like this <laughs> Jimmy. He, like, no fear, just goes into action for his buddy. And to save his friend, he injects himself with the doomsday virus to battle Superman to get him to calm down. So you've got Jimmy Olsen Doomsday versus... <laughs> but I love what he says before he does it. Just, Superman, I can't let you embarrass yeah. yourself like yeah. this. And that's, that, that is what is so important to me, is that these guys are best buddies. And, mm. and Jimmy values Superman's morals and how other people interpret him. And that comes back to one of my favorite lines of dialogue later on the issue, which I'll talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he becomes Doomsday, and they fight. The scientists are like, you've got to we got to do something quick because he's only got 30 seconds before like his his nervous system like gets overloaded by doomsday he him and superman keep fighting eventually though the superman gets 
just beaten down and Jimmy turns back into his normal self. And I think this might be what you're talking about is Jimmy saying to cut, like, don't let anybody see this. Like, Actually, no, but no? Um, I'll, we'll finish it first. I'll bring it up. Okay. Yeah, so a couple people show up on scene and Jimmy's letting them know that nobody can see Superman like this. Like, like don't tell anybody about this. And they just see it as Superman fought off a monster and offer some tickets to Frankenstein on ice. <laughs> and it returns to Superman apologizing and thanking everybody for helping him out and talking about the black kryptonite while Jimmy's recovering in, the, recovering in the hospital. And he uses his last 10 minutes of being in charge of this company for a day as he leaves to put back on his rainbow trench coat and have I Love Lucy lasered into the moon while offering <laughs> Frankenstein on ice tickets to this Lucy girl as he returns back to his apartment. It's fun, like, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen-centric issue. And, yeah, it just makes me... The focus on su- Superman's characters in here just makes me want to see more of them pop up in current continuity more and more, have more stories focused on them. So what... One of the things about this whole series is that it really nails home the notion that Superman is an idea. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll get a little bit more into that later on as it's really solidified the metaphor, but... Um, we have Superman affected by black kryptonite and he becomes the exact opposite. And in one line of dialogue, Jimmy says, weird thing is, the worse he acted, the weaker he became. And the inverse of that is the idea that the better he acted, the stronger he became, which is the idea that that's what Superman normally is since this is the opposite. And I think when you're dealing with somebody who's a living idea, uh, he's somebody who later on, you know, as he's talking to his father after, after stuff, happens but he's you know he says that you're you're an idea you're meant to influence and give these people something to aspire to so he's really a, a living influence and he becomes stronger the better he is like people want to follow him the more that he is a clear positive influence so this notion of the weird thing is the worse he acted the weaker he became is is the idea that the the better of a person that superman is the more of exactly what Superman is, is he's, he's a positive role model in a world where we don't have a positive role model. Um, and that is his strength, and that's when, that's when he's the most powerful, is when he's giving you something so strong to aspire to. So I just really liked that almost casual line of dialogue that Grant threw in there to, to really nail home the fact that uh, Superman's greatest legacy is his influence on the non-super people. That's great. So, awesome. So that's... That's issue four. That's issue four. So we go into episode five. This is probably one of my favorite episodes. Because <laughs> I honestly just find the Lex Luthor, Clark Kent, or Superman Lex Luthor dynamic so interesting. And as much as I love they that they've done current stuff with Lex Luthor trying to be a good guy, I also just love this evil Lex Luthor interacting. I also like that he's just... There's no barrier between him getting to interact with anybody. There's no... He's got a lot of free reign even in jail in this like there's doesn't have he has, he's just he's walking got, around doing his Lex Luthor yeah, thing yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> people can come in and interview him he's just he could have a free meal like right. a steak if he wants basically it's very interesting uh, this one starts with uh, Lex being uh basically sentenced by a judge in a group and he's, they're comparing him to Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Al Capone, Adolf Hitler, Lex Luthor. How can these be the people you aspire to? And what we learn is that uh, Clark Kent has been cleared to get an hour-long interview with Lex Luthor who has been sentenced to death at this point. 
So uh, Clark goes in, sort of having this conversation with Lex, and in this story, Lex has no idea that Clark is Superman, so that's important to remember. Um, but as they're walking around, we just get a, a lot of instances of Clark sort of casually saving Lex's life while looking like a buffoon. Yeah, and something else I like about this is going into Lex Luthor, because we hate Superman. He kind of will do what he needs to do to get over, like, get on top, and, like, he's willing to throw people under the bus. But almost in every panel where Clark is in kind of danger, there's, like, this... It, to me, I took it as general concern from Lex, to, like, to what Clark is doing. Because you see him reaching out to Clark doing this part. Yeah. Later on, like, he's looking for Clark when there's, like, other things going down. Like, whenever it's, like, Clark in this, it's, like, checking on him to make, like, he's just, like, concerned for him. Right. Like, it's, like, a respect thing, or even though he doesn't respect him. There's, like, so this whole issue is basically just a conversation between Clark and Lex. Mm-hmm. And there is so much more than that going into it through the art and, of course, Grant's influence on, you know, where they are and what they're doing at any given time. But the main things that are, are brought home in this is is that Lex despises Superman, but also is feverishly attempting to be Superman or be this thing that he perceives as standing in his way from being who he should be. So he's mm-hmm. spending a lot of time lifting weights to look like Superman. And he says, yeah, but look at these muscles. Like, these are real muscles. And Clark is just sort of trying to get a, a, a read on what Lex is up to. But all Lex really wants to talk to is, like, well, how much, like, can't, don't you resent Superman? Don't you hate him? Don't you, you know, hate him for all these things he's done, stopping you from being who you are? Um, Clark's just sort of like, yeah, that's that's fine, but, like, let's talk about, you know, what I'm trying to talk to you about. Yeah, and, he, and not to get ahead, but no, I think he's, I think he's, Lex admits at some point <clears throat> in a way that what he likes about Clark is that he's such an everyman, ironically enough, such an everyman and, and represents the rest of humanity, which isn't as good as Luther is, but it's still regular humanity. Right. And that's what he likes about him. I don't think he actually respects him as a person. <laughs> he just likes the what he is. Kind yeah, of thing. what he represents. And and it's hard to summarize the depth of what they get to in this conversation. Um, but w- what I can mention is there are some really amazing art sequences in here. There's this incredible double-page cutaway by Frank Quitely of them walking down a three-tiered staircase. And the way that the paneling is drawn is, is you can... They're moving through time, but also, gosh! But the, the they're they're in all of these different things. It's it's the one one the few things that you can do in comic books that you can't do any other medium, which is uh, use static images to move through time and and have this conversation, which is absolutely astounding. Yeah, and that looks so good. I wondered about that when I read that this morning because in the soft cover, just because of the you know the spine and everything. You can't see it and enjoy it as well as you can in the hardcover, because mm-hmm. you, you can lay that flat. And, yeah, it's, it's a special thing. But yeah. what happens is, as they're they're moving, they run into Parasite, who's screaming at Luther, and Luther's you know talking about how he's going to create a, a revolution within this prison and everything. You know, he's going to change everything. Although everyone clearly is very contemptuous of him, but Parasite starts sucking up the power that Clark has and. 
Lex like goes through all these like logical loopholes to convince himself that like he is it somehow at, at, you know he shoots bullets with at him and he's like oh these bullets must have been the thing that tipped him over to cause this earthquake and not at all able to fathom the con the, the concept that maybe Clark Kent is Superman and this like, there's no other explanation as to why Parasite would be getting this fat off absorbing yeah, somebody yeah. else's power and you think with Luther's brain he would do that but again his arrogance he can't yeah he's like even conceive that. Clark could possibly have any relation yeah, to he's Superman. Like, so, so it's like, so what? So Parasite's getting a little bit of power off a toaster as he's right. passing by. Like, they'll take <laughs> yeah. care of it. And then so, it gets out of hand. Still doesn't care. Big ass toaster. <laughs> yeah. Still doesn't care. Almost gets shot in the back head. Clumsy Clark comes in. Still thinks everything's fine. Just, yeah, it keeps going from one thing to another. Yeah, Clark saves Luther's life like three or four times yeah, in this issue. Yeah, and manages to look like an oaf the whole time. Yeah, saves all the guards. He's like, oh, I can't see with my glasses. He visions immediately. Like, he reacts so quick while also maintaining his cover. It's so in- impressive. The only part where it kind of might be a slip up is the fact that he ice breaths. Yeah, I know. Page. I thought the same thing. It's like, ooh, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Good Lex thing Lex turned around. Yeah. Then. yeah. Um, and uh, we get back to Luther's cell, and he has this chimp dressed up as Superman named Leopold, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, and uh, and he lifts up the, the bottom concrete block of his cell, and one of my favorite moments that stood out from the first time I read it to this this day, um, when he says, did, did you, he has this bot that uh, can recite his, his autobiography, but he says, did you know that Moby Dick can be recited at frequencies so high that Melville's masterpiece becomes a sonic drill capable of carving through solid rock? That is just such a Grant Morrison thing to me. That's so awesome. (laughs) So good. And this was like a part for me when I was like first reading about Superman and learning about just how kind of cool Lex Luthor is, like super smart, figure stuff out. He's had the ability to escape this whole time doesn't care. Right. He's just like, whatever. Right. Uh, a couple pages before this, he wipes sweat off of his brow, and you realize that he's wiped one of his eyebrows off. Yeah. And you're like, oh, of course, he doesn't have any hair on his body. He draws his eyebrows on. But several pages before that, he casually mentions that Clark has the same eyebrow pattern that Superman has, mm. that, like, you know, aesthetic-based people identify as, like, the Superman curve or something. But uh-huh. then you realize that he draws his own eyebrows with that same curve that he sees Superman have, which, again, adds this layer of Lex is in total denial about wanting to be Superman. Superman yeah. It, it's, it's just such a complex thing. And then I guess we're introduced to Lex's niece, who is just, like, super bondage, tight black lady, or black suit lady, uh, with, you know, black latex and leather all over, and she takes him on this little boat, and takes Clark out of there, and Lex surprisingly still seems totally content to be hanging out in this prison, awaiting his death sentence. I like how, yeah, so, two things. I like how when he finds out that his eyebrow's missing, he draws another eyebrow but it's very raised like and mocked yeah, 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 like. it. <laughs> it's very good and then yeah they introduce his niece which is just yeah it's in this weird bondage outfit and they're like yeah she's 18 yeah. and like all of a sudden like okay I can't pronounce her name but she goes by yeah. Nasty I, I can't either Nostalgia. but yeah she's basically like she's like call me Nasty and then it reminds me of very much of a like the the ferryman when she's on the boat yeah like yeah, that last whatever. page uh, yeah, yeah. Like, where to yeah Charon is that how he's the Greek Charon, the ferryman, yeah. ferrying you across to the land of the dead. I thought that then, of course, it's all red, like hell. Yeah, the underworld, everything is very, very good. Yeah, his niece is like, oh, what's her name? Aubrey Plaza's character, <laughs> character. on Parks and Rec, That's except to true. except to the nth degree. I mean, yeah, and oh, without man. the hidden compassion. Henry Cavill, I got your next like live action Superman movie coming up for the DC Worlds. <laughs> 
I was looking up something earlier today, and I didn't have time to really read it to understand it. But um, oh, because in a in an issue coming up here, we see a, a very quick flash of a historical figure. Um, we see Nietzsche writing also Sprach Zarathustra, mm-hmm. and that introduced the idea of the Ubermensch, and all which is often translated as Superman. But Nietzsche's idea was actually it wasn't gendered. It was just like the ultimate human. Right. Um, and somewhere down in that, when I was skimming it, it talked about Luther being also being an Ubermensch, and which fits with Luther's, Luther's whole thing here, especially in this issue, where you know he thinks he doesn't come right out and say it, but he basically thinks he's like the ultimate human being. He does. Um, and then you and, you and then you've got the alien who's also who's makes all the humanity redundant in Luther's eyes. And later on, when we see that Nietzsche reference, I was like, "Oh, wait!" And there's just all sorts of levels in there that I can't articulate because I don't understand it well enough. But it's 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 fascinating. It, uh, yeah, Grant Morrison has a really deep and personal relationship with the dichotomy of Superman and, and Lex Luthor. And in the back of this, when he talks about you can't really write one of those characters without really appreciating and understanding the other, like they're yeah. they're both sides of the same character. And I, I absolutely agree with that you know they uh they demonstrate the dichotomy of all people of just sort of like you know where our actions guide us yeah yeah that's one thing that's interesting about luther being a superman a good guy recently just trying to try for his own purposes sure but also trying to be the good version but of course he goes back to being the the evil completely evil quote-unquote version of himself of the ubermensch um, Roman, you get to read or summarize one of my two or three favorite issues in this book. Oh, the funeral in Smallville. Oh, geez. Episode but, six. But what I, what is interesting um, is that this cover, if you look at the credit for it, is covered by Frank Quietly. I think three of the 12 are covered by Frank Quietly, whereas the other are covered by Frank Quietly and um, the colorist. Um, Jamie who, Grant. Jamie, Jamie Grant. Grant. And I want to talk about that when we finish this, um, okay. the role that Jamie Grant mm. played in this, because it's pretty important to me. And <coughs> excuse me. And I don't even know anything about Jamie. Is it Jamie Grant or is it Jaime Grant? I have no idea. I don't know. Probably Jamie, maybe Jaime. Um, but the thing is, is that he or Jaime, inks he inks Frank Quitely in this. And I brought mm. a couple visual references to show when Frank Quitely <coughs> inks himself and when he has somebody else inking him. And so this cover, you can see that Frank Quietly inked himself. And in the other covers, you can see when Jamie Grant inks him. And it's a really interesting difference, and it sort of speaks to that grotesque nature of Frank Quietly's art. Um, because nobody quite knows what to do with all those lines that Frank Quietly puts on a face, except for Frank Quietly. And I think other people misinterpret it, and I think that's one oh. of the big shortcomings in this book, is that a lot of the lines that Frank Quietly draws, I think, are misinterpreted and done as, like, sketch hash-marking lines mm-hmm. by yeah. the inker instead of actual shading detail lines, which is what uh, Frank Quietly does when he inks and colors himself. Interesting. Mm-hmm. As a quick side thing, as you're going to the next one, I looked up shorthand, because Lex Luthor yeah. asks oh, uh, yeah. Superman what it is. That's really interesting, if you've ever seen that. It's just, like, just swirls. and It is. I'm kind of interested. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's a scene in the last issue where Lex is like, what are you writing there? And he takes Clark's notebook and it's shorthand, because he's a journalist, and Lex can't read it. And a few panels later, Lex is like, shorthand, 
Something else I have to re- I have to learn. Yeah. Either way, it's no use. Man, for it. I wish I would have learned that like taking notes in school. Well, like, I feel like it's got to be also like pretty subjective to the person. I feel yeah. like everybody probably has their own. Like it's mostly like combining words and imagery to be able to yeah. conjure ideas within your own brain, so mm-hmm. you don't have to like write words. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so this issue is uh, kind of a, a sudden flashback. And I remember when these issues were coming out with the the time lapse between issues. Uh-huh. This is one of the ones that confused me because I was like, wait a minute. I thought, what's going on in this series? Um, this issue opens up and it's younger Clark hanging out in small on the Kent farm with his he- dad. They're looking up at the moon. And it's just a beautiful, beautifully drawn sequence. And they're just having a discussion. Um, which I won't repeat all here, but it's a great discussion, great father and son moment. Um, and Clark's about to take care of some some stumps that were hit by lightning the night before, but then there's a flash of light, and Crypto shows up, and I love the way Crypto lands because he's a playful dog. He yeah. just like hits the earth, a big furrow in the earth because he didn't land nicely. He just kind of lands, crashes into the earth, a big hole in the field now. And then he pops up, pops his head up out of the hole, and he's <laughs> And him and Clark start playing. Um, and it's just sweet. Clark, Clark uproots the lightning-struck tree, rips it up, and, and Crypto's running around the base of the tree like dogs do, and he says, are you ready? And Crypto goes down in, like, downward dog pose, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> like dogs do when they play. And Clark throws the tree into space, and you see a, lo- a long shot of it the tree, like, instantly, like, above the United States, flying up into space. And Crypto takes off. And then Clark takes off after it, going, woohoo, and ripping open his shirt to show the S as he flies up to play with Crypto in space, to play with his dog. That is so awesome. And then Ma and Pa are there in the lights of the tractor, and a guy shows up to take a job as extra help, extra labor on the farm. And he looks a lot like Clark, except with uh, an undercut. Haircut. <laughs> yeah, sweet undercut. Yeah, and then we Let's see... Making a comeback. Yeah, and then we see Clark and, you know, Superman and Crypto playing in space and then hanging out on the moon again, looking looking at the Earth, and it, oh, it's beautiful shots in this. And then the next morning, we're back on the farm. Um, this is a flashback. Clark's in his... He's at University in Metropolis, but he's home to visit for the weekend, and he meets the three new farmhands, um which is Calvin Elders, the guy at the undercut, which I, I, when I saw that name, I was like, oh. So if you shorten that, it's Cal L. Yeah. And then there's a, a big dude all in bandages. and Negative man. Yeah, yeah. I, and I thought the unknown soldier, but yeah, negative man, unknown soldier. And a little short dude with a, in a green shirt and a uh, purple purple uh, hat. Purple bowler hat. Looking yeah, pur- purple bowler hat. And I was like, that's Mr. McSpitalik. Yeah, Mixie. But, you know. Maybe not. And then later on, Clark's hanging out at the local diner with Lana and Pete Ross, which in the old continuity and in in this series, they both know that he's he's Superman, mm-hmm. Superboy, Superman. Um, but I don't. He doesn't know what Lana knows. I think he knows that Pete knows. Just not Lana. Yeah, they kind yeah. of say that after their conversation when he leaves that she's kind of upset that they're not like talking about it because she knows and he knows. Yeah, and I don't know if. I don't remember now if I clued in where, as they're in the diner, and you don't notice this till the bottom of that page, page 136, there's an old man sitting to a booth behind them reading the paper 
And as the three of them are talking, the old man gets up and leaves, and he's kind of glaring at them. And then you see on the third panel, at the bottom of the page, he's walking past the window. He's left the diner, walking past the window, and he glares back at Clark, and Clark raises his eyes. He catches the guy's glance. And that's all you see about it. I don't know if that's how that pays off later. Uh, yeah, it, it, pay, it pays same, off on the next page. Is it the same guy next to this statue at the end? Oh. Boy, it looks like it. Oh, this guy's got a beard, actually. Well, this guy's got a little on the next page stubbly. It, huh. On the next page, it pays off, though, if you look when all the, the three farmhands are showing up. Oh, okay, okay. That's that. I'm sorry, yeah, that's right. He's the, he's the guy that later on the three farmhands that there's something mysterious about. They find him, and he's died. And it turns out there's this thing called the chronovore that has come back mm. in time and is... Uh, these three, it turns out, are supermen from the future, and they're here tracking the chronovore, and they need to fight it. Um, our Superman and Crypto are watching these guys, thinking, what's going on with these dudes? And all of a sudden, the Superman from the future, who we saw a glimpse of in the fortress, mm -hmm. um, Superman talked to him, Lois talked to him, uh, he shows up behind him, totally surprises him. And they start talking, he tells them about the chronovore and why they're here. Um, that there's supermen all over from the future that formed the Superman squad. So it's the unknown Superman of 80, 4,500, 4, and the unknown. as usual, yeah, he's the one all in bandages. Mm -hmm. And Klizik, Klizik, or whatever, he's a fifth-dimensional Superman. Just like I call him Klizzy Kliz. Klizzy Kliz. <laughs> uh, how I uh, <laughs> pronounced him when I read it. And, they sh and, and he shows, using his fifth-dimensional science-slash-magic, our Superman, what the chronovore looks like, and it's, it's a really cool design. I mean, it's just a big red, berry pulsating mass with disembodied limb, claw limbs and teeth. And Frank quietly outdid himself on that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little... I can see, I don't know, it's a little bit like Steve Ditko-type stuff, mm -hmm. but very nightmarish. It is very <laughs> Ditko, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and the chronovore shows up then, and it's as it passes by, I mean, cows and whatever buildings are just decayed to their bones, or, you know, it's it just kills. It eats, eats your life. Um, so they go into battle against it. The, the fifth dimensional one hits it with a, his hyperpoon, and for some reason, the future Superman, well, not future Superman, but the one future Superman, he's trying to stop regular Superman from engaging with the chronovore, and we don't know why. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, when I was first reading this, I was like, wow, this future Superman's kind of a dick. Yeah. And then yeah. the second time I read it through, um, before like everything came together, I was like, okay, he's just like, maybe it's because he doesn't want this Superman to interact with the chronovore, because if it kills him, then right. it wipes out everybody else. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, but that's it's so much more perfect. <laughs> yeah, especially with the beginning panel and the first like two pages of this chapter this issue when Pa Kent's talking to him I don't know if mm. we want to wait till after after this and then go back to it because there's a little bit of a allude to what's coming after their little conversation well, let's go back to it <laughs> well I'll just say it right then uh, when he goes off to play with Crypto there's the one panel after you see him run off with Crypto of Pa Kent make kind of like a grunting sound and he's holding oh. his chest yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I didn't yeah. think about that the very first time I read it. I was like, I didn't either. what is that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought it was him just being, like, happy. It was like he was That's why moved. I just feel like Grammars and stuff, all all of it benefits from a reread. Yeah. Yeah, because like, everything comes around again. Yeah. Even little things that 
like I had to go back and last in the previous issue with Lex Luthor when he draws his eyebrow and I was like, wait a minute. Has I always been missing an eyebrow? Right. And I had to flip back. It's like, oh, he wipes yeah. it off right, right there. Okay. And we just don't <laughs> notice it, but it's, and that's just, those are my favorite comic writers. My favorite yeah. comics is when they make you feel dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that future Superman, he's stronger and faster and more experienced than our Superman at this point. But Superman's got Crypto. So Crypto attacks the future Superman. And then we see that during the battle, these guys are so fast that the unknown Superman switched back into the regular human clothes. And he's talking with Pa Kent, uh, you know, a couple miles away. Um, and Pa's just talking about how they're going to, they're going to, the farm's kind of coming to the end of its usefulness. They're going to just focus on their general store in town. Um, and he asks unknown Superman, oh, who Pa doesn't know is a Superman. Or maybe he does. I think he does. But he asks unknown Superman if he'll be okay, won't he, the boy? And he, and he just tells him it all comes out, it all comes out right in the end. And then we're used, back to the battle. Could he use like two more panels in that sequence? But yeah. I guess leaving you wanting more is better than mm -hmm. having too much. Yeah. And our Superman tries to get back the battle. The fifth dimensional one tells him to stay back. Our Superman, of course, being Superman, grabs the chain, tries to stop him. We see the other future Superman saying, I tried to warn you. It will eat. And he's got Crypto by the neck holding him off. I tried to warn you. If you face the Chronovar, it will eat a precious three minutes of your life. And in those three minutes, and then we flash to Jonathan on his knees in the field. Jonathan Kent suffered a fatal heart attack. And that is such a, such a, oh, jeez. <laughs> so Superman's recklessness trying to fight this thing caused him to lose three minutes, but three minutes to Superman. Uh, yeah. Like that's that, like, great power, great responsibility thing. Yep. It's just like, you need to be awake all the time yeah. because three minutes can mean a person's life. Yeah, yeah, and then the next page is so beautifully drawn because we've got the three Superman from the future and Crypto are all, like, flying around, fighting the chronovore, cha chaining, containing the chronovore as regular Superman realizes, wait, I can't, I can't hear Paul's heartbeat. And you realize that, wow, he's always tuned in to his parents and probably his other friends and loved ones' heartbeats. Just always has that going Naturally, on. Yeah. And he flies off realizing, no, not my dad. I can save him. And he flies back, and we see Ma running toward Pa. And Superman's flying so fast, his, his hair catches fire. And he, and, and he says, I can save everybody, and just starts yelling. Yeah. I mean, he's so distraught. And then at the end of the issue, we flash to Jonathan's funeral um, and Clark's eulogy for him, which is, oh, it's so, it's so touching. Even now, I'm kind of like, oh, I, I can't read that out loud. Um, and then we go to, he's, he's going to leave to go back to Metropolis because he's going to university there. He's telling Ma that, you know, how can I leave? What's the point of my powers of any of this? And he didn't even get to say goodbye. So <clears throat> I, I want to, you, you were referring to this Superman as our Superman. And I think I chose to interpret our Superman in this as what, what we learn in the final pages is that the bandage Superman re removes the bandages and it's, it's, it's a Superman. And I guess I feel like that's our Superman. Mm. And the Superman that makes the mistake of fighting the chronovore is a younger, less experienced Superman because he's yeah. still going to university and stuff. So it's just one of those moments where 
the time of like why does this issue why is this issue in this series and it's because our superman disguised himself as the unknown superman to go back in time to have this final moment with his father to atone for the fact that when he was young he made the mistake of going to fight this person mm. so our superman yeah. of all-star superman is actually the bandaged superman that goes back in time and like that is just smart. Ugh. Yeah, I was like, it's a way for him to go back and not mess with time. And yeah. he's got to, he had to come to terms with his his pa passing away, but he's also about to go, and it's kind of a way for both of them to kind of say their goodbyes to each other without anybody else knowing, and then letting it be like that. I thought that was very like very touching yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Like, yeah, you guys are right. And and come to think of it, that's also as you defined it, our Superman, the bandaged Superman, he also does kind of the same thing with Lois in that when they were in the fortress earlier and she talks to the unknown Superman mm-hmm. right. in the in the mirror viewer thing. Yeah, and he tells her that everything's going to be fine. Kind of. He doesn't use the words, but yeah, everything's going to be okay. And when she asks about if we're going to have children being Superman, and he's like, well, the answer's before you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't know what that really means either until the end of the series. And the super far future... Superman come back on the final two pages to give Clark a, a golden flower in honor of everything that Pa Kent has done. Yeah, yeah, it's an indestructible flower from New Krypton, um, which there's allusions to New Krypton throughout this. For him, from all of us, in remembrance of all that we are and all that we will be. All we will be. Makes yeah, me that's tear up even thinking about it now. So crazy, like the, like all of Pa's teachings to Superman. Like is what spawned like the future of these like Legion of Superman, and like their ideals, their morals, like who they all are. Like that's such a cool like thank you to like the starting point. Yeah. And yeah. then the final page is just him at his dad's grave, and I cannot speak enough to the power of that image and the change in Superman's posture. And yeah. like you don't see that Superman looking like Clark, you mm-hmm. know, like that just the weight of that loss on him totally changes his, his posture. Very human and yeah, like human and vulnerable. Yeah. And this is the, um, I I love the fact too, that, um, quite, quietly, quietly, quietly. It's not his real name. Vince Um, Keegan. I love that. The fact he didn't put, it's just Jonathan Kent on a headstone. There's no dates or anything. He just avoided the whole thing about trying to establish this as these years. Boom, boom, boom. It's just Jonathan Kent. Yeah. That's pretty smart. So we've got. Oh, but fell on you, Trevor. Well, so I guess I have the there, second there's one. There's two. <laughs> well, here's the thing. If you want, we can just condense these both into Let's kind of one, yeah, and I, we can just go over it real quick because yeah. we're we want to get to the good stuff at the end. Oh. Like, not that this isn't good. It's just there's a lot. There's a lot, but there's not a lot in these two. Um, so the next episode, episode eight or seven, is called Being Bizarro, and then we're gonna add on to this. Uh, we'll just tag on this one. Us do opposite, which is episode eight. Um, basically, just back-to-back episodes that coincide. We have Space Willy Wonka dealing with, you know, exploring some more stuff and getting some weird readings. And we cut to Superman with a cool panel of him letting his son Eater go um, and immediately getting attacked by uh, putties from the Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and we see them falling towards Q-Birth, which... I love Q-Birth. It looks so cool. It looks so cool because all of the land masses of America are switched left to right and mm-hmm. then their oceans so you can see america backwards yeah and it's an ocean yeah like, so just oh god grant so good grant and frank and we go into like a meteor shower people at a party putties start showing up 
and apparently when they touch people, they become like a bizarro copy, but they also turn whoever they touch into bizarro. So there's, so there's like this pandemonium and stuff happening all over the world because these bizarros are showing up. You get the appearance of Bizarro Superman um, showing up and attacking, which is thwarted by regular Superman. They they fight it out while the whole time it's kind of a cut back and forth between the crew at the Daily Planet trying to deal with escaping the Bizarros, Jimmy Olsen, super hacker extraordinaire with his magic watch, uh, dealing with stuff. More putties showing up. Superman gets an idea thanks to Jimmy about you know they're weak against sunlight, so he is going to refract the water, do the reflection of the water to weaken them and try to get this Bizarro Earth out of out of main earth like personal I love, space i love the fact that to do that it's so silver age he's like well i have to rearrange some of their continents apparently to, to put the water in a different place to catch the sun yeah <laughs> so good so he flies off and accomplishes this like crashes right in and then you see the final pages of this or the final scene of this cube earth is it's sucking itself back into like this dimension portal but you find out that superman never made it off of the planet so everybody's saved but he's stuck there because the bizarro world everything's opposite so the the solar energy is on the red spectrum which superman is weak to so his powers are fading he's stuck with his best friend bizarro superman um who is his not his best friend and then you get introduced to at the end of that one leading into episode eight is zabaro who is a bizarro bizarro so basically, it's like two minuses make a positive, and he's a sane, normal functioning Bizarro who can speak regularly because all the Bizarros speak uh, opposite and yeah. act opposite of themselves. This one's sane, and he's the only one in this place because he talks about it like there's a one in a million flaw, and he's that mm. one. Yeah, and he's well, so lonely. Summarized. And I and I love yeah, it was. And I love how his costume and the color schemes are reversed. Yeah. I didn't notice when I read this this morning. There's a cube shaped bizarro moon in the yeah. sky. I love the cube moon. It's very Minecrafty. I think what slows <laughs> this arc down is that Grant Morrison really intentionally wrote their language to be opposite of English. So you got to sort of slow, slow down, down and try and really and process it. it. Yeah. It's like, it's so hard sometimes to not be tempted to just skim over real quick. Like, when they start talking, it's like, okay, I get you're trying to say this thing, like, but I want to read it, and that slows me down. It's like this constant two steps forward, one step back thing with me. I like the, the concept of Zibaro because exactly like you said, the negative-negative aspect, but it also then is sort of a mirror of Superman because he's an alien on this world, although he's a naturally occurring alien of this world, mm -hmm. whereas Superman is not from the world. And then what makes him unique is his susceptibility to all of the weakness, like the pain of reality and seeing the beauty. And what makes Superman different is all of the perfection and strength of him. Um, Grant Morrison is somebody, and if you probably kerneled the idea when he was doing Earth 2, which was all built around opposites, but uh, he's so good at creating metaphors. And I think, I think that I still only grasp a very small amount of the, the, the opposite statements that he's making in this issue. Um, it, it's amazing, the depth of the inversion that he does uh, and everything in this. It really impresses the shit out of me. Yeah. So, episode eight is Zabaro hanging out with Superman, uh, which is makes it the smoothest part of this episode. Is that they're the both they're both <laughs> the God only ones he that speaks can, English. Yeah, <laughs> speaks straight, like 
regular English. Um, they're having this discussion about trying to figure out how to get him off, and Zabaro kind of talking about how crappy it is to be the only one of his type get him off the on planet. this planet. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Superman is like, well, we got to make like a ship to get off the planet. He finally figures out how to convince all these bizarros to listen to him to help make this ship, basically by insulting them and telling them, you can't do this. So they're like, we can do it. And that's then you get introduced to the opposite of the Justice League, slowly making their way out of the sewer system, which I found was very fun. He's got the Green Lantern, who has like the most powerful thing in the universe, can't think of anything. Yeah. <laughs> the slow flash. Uh, Wonder Woman is a thing of clay. And that's just so awesome that she was beautiful that was then turned into an ugly clay thing, which yeah. is the exact, of course, inversion of her origin at the time. So good. Uh, so you've got all these people here. They finally get like the ship ready, but then you've got this comment of Zabaro asks, why is there only one seat, basically? Mm, yeah. Only room for one on it. And this is one of the only things I kind of had a like bummer complaint about was... When Superman starts getting, because he starts getting weak and it's like at the end of his line kind of thing, he needs to get out and he's about to. Zabaro helps him and he's like, maybe if I go there, I'll be just an outcast no matter what. But I felt like this was the only time it felt like it went against Superman's thing because he meets somebody from this place who's suffering and is an outcast and kind of on his own and is desperately trying to escape. And he just is like, you just tell me some. Sweet, you just told me some sweet poetry. I'll take that back with me. And like, yeah, you're right. He he does say I'm gonna get back there and I'm gonna find you. Like I'm gonna help you. Yeah. But Superman probably would have found a way to get. He would have found a way. I mean, he does that with other Even people he's too. Just but tied yeah. to a rocket. It was just dying. Yeah. It's like Are you gonna help me. He's like. I'll come back. Just yeah, especially because a few pages later, you know, he does a classic Superman moment when he's saying it can't be hopeless, there's always a way. Yeah. yeah. Well, what happened to that, Superman? What if yeah. There's always a way for you. <laughs> but, so Grant talked about who this character is, and he's, Zabar was supposed to represent the sort of adolescent version of ourselves when we're sort of coming into adulthood and we feel like we're the only ones experiencing all of this pain in our own life before we've really come to a place where we realize that everyone experiences that pain. Mm. To that end it makes sense that Superman wouldn't remove him through that situation because you can, I think that the way that he kind of intended it is it's, it's supposed to be almost like somebody going through growing pains. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So like, it, yeah, he could save him, but also is he, he's maybe saving him from what is sort of a human experience, which is to feel like, I don't know that that's, that's me trying to go into defending the the intention of it but at the same time the intention doesn't necessarily exactly fit the the model of superman so mm -hmm. yeah um so he ends up getting off the planet bizarro and he gets gets back to back to good old earth and that brings us into episode nine uh snap thing yeah yeah i was just reading the end of this when when zabaro says oh no superman i've messed up again what what did he Oh, I see. Never mind. I see. Never mind. Uh, yeah, so we got to the end of Us Do Opposite. Chapter 9, Curse of the Replacement Superman. Superman, sorry. And that's another cover by Frank Quitely. Yeah, he no, does just no a couple in there. But you can you can very clearly tell the difference in the ink line and the you way can. 
uh, the color is shaded around his ink line. Yeah, and, and the facial expressions, especially Superman's. And most particularly in the previous issue, we get a, a zoomed-in shot of Zibaro's face, mm-hmm. and in that, you can really... Maybe it was the issue before, or this one right here, but you can really see that I don't personally feel like the inker exactly understands what those lines are supposed to be there so for. So lumpy in that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot more angular, it's a lot more sketchy, and I don't, Frank Quiley doesn't really have very sketchy things, but that's me loving Frank Quiley's art too much. <laughs> um, so this issue opens up, Superman arrives back on Earth in this makeshift bizarro rocket, his second time rocketing back to Earth and landing in a field. Um, outside the circus, and he apologizes for if he startled the people in the circus. And he flies back to Metropolis and discovers that there's um, Kryptonian architecture, glass spires on all the buildings in Metropolis. And something odd is going on. Uh, shows up back at work as Clark Kent. Apparently he's been missing for two months. They had a memorial service. They all assumed he was dead. <laughs> Sorry, Lois. <laughs> typical Friday for yeah. Clark Kent. Yeah. Always yeah. thought dead. And the ex- oh, my God, his explanation is the <laughs> yeah. best. His, his excuse, two months. I, uh, I got trapped in the bathroom, in my bathroom during the, uh, the Bizarro invasion with three unopened Thanksgiving baskets and the complete works of Shakespeare. <laughs> Eventually Superman heard my cries for help, and, well, here I am. I'm out of Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm out of Turkey. It's so ridiculous. People get but, you know, everybody buys it because they're like, oh, yeah, it's Clark. Yeah. <laughs> of course that would happen to him. Um, and Lois asked, asked Clark, has Superman seen this? Earth's New Champions is a headline on the planet with a picture of a couple Kryptonian-style costume-looking people, a man and a woman. And then we flash to somewhere in... I'm not sure if this is India, where this is exactly, but there's a volcano going off. It's about to bury this village, and these two new superheroes are... Um, they've tunneled through the volcano, so it collapses in on itself, and they save the villagers. I love that image. Yeah. Yes, but they're also... And they're talking about... Apparently, they're Kryptonian. They talk about the capital of New Krypton could rise right here, could it not? And the woman said, replies, I think we could just as easily clear the apes out of Metropolis and build here. So these folks aren't necessarily good. No, altruistic. No, they are not. <laughs> and then Superman shows up to talk to them. He's, um, they're pretty standoffish, but he's excited because this is the first Kryptonians he's ever met besides the Kandorians. Besides that big old bottle. Yeah, and, the, and, he's, and this was a nice addition to... Kryptonian mythology. Apparently, these are the first astronauts, astronauts for the planet Krypton um, who drifted lost in space for decades, like longer than Supergirl, even. And one of them is a like a relative of his yeah. too, the House of L. Yeah. You know, me saying that, I just realized where's Supergirl in this? We, we never even hear mention of her. Yeah. I guess she's just not in the. She's not in the story. I mean, we lost. Well, we we only got one episode of Crypto. We don't even find out what happens to Crypto later. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look at it, he's trying to distill the yeah. whole thing down to like the absolute essence of the character. Yeah. You know, in which yeah. case that it's probably that. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I'm sure, like in the '70s and '80s, in the Superman family comic, they used to say each super purse family member had their own. Storylines going on. They used to say Crypto whenever he wasn't around in the comics. They'd always explain, "Oh, because he's off like romping around doing doggy things in space." <laughs> <laughs> um, so Superman has a discussion with the 
Bar L and Lilo, Lilo. Um, so it turns out Bar L, that last name, he's part of the the L family, the House of L, just like Superman and his dad. Um, but these two, because they were astronauts, the first astronauts from Krypton, they remember Jor-El is, as the woman says, a young and ineffectual dreamer. So before he got married to Lara, before they had Kal-El, and they didn't, they were disdainful of Jor-El, and they're disdainful of, of Cal, of Superman. But, you know, Superman being Superman, he still wants to trust and believe in them, so he takes them to the fortress and shows them around. He shows them the bottle city of Kandor, which they're disgusted. They think he's, Superman's just been messing up, and what's wrong with him that he's got the survivors of Krypton still shrunk and trapped in this bottle cut off from the sun, so they don't even have the advantage of the powers that Kryptonians would have on our, with our yellow sun. And the woman says it's beyond perverse, and Superman tries to explain Brainiac put them there. I spent years trying to find a way to restore their size, and they're just like, well, pfft, you're obviously, you lack drive and ambition. Why haven't you done this yet? What's wrong with you? Um, and then he shows them the Phantom Zone, which they're also disgusted with because they're like, these are more Kryptonians. The worst of them is better than the greatest of the human apes. You should be ashamed. <laughs> so, and then they get in a fight. <laughs> um, and Barel. They kick Superman's butt. Barrel, it's a great sequence because as Barrel attacks Superman, starts pounding on him, the panels start shifting and overlapping because they're getting knocked around too. And then they throw Superman into space. They throw him into the moon, which cracks the moon, a big crack all throughout the moon. I love their fix for the moon, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is go yeah. steal all the bridges on Earth and then stake one side of each of them on the crack. <laughs> yeah, use the bridges. Staple it back yeah. together. Yeah. yeah, suture the moon. Awesome visual <laughs> image there. Um, and then we see Clark back at the Daily Planet. Jimmy's, because of the, these new Kryptonians' influence on Earth, Jimmy's trying out some Kryptonian fashions, which look ridiculous. Um, Steve Lambert plays one of his old stupid, dumb, like 13-year-old jock jokes on, on Clark. And it's great because this is one of those art moments you don't notice. Uh, Lambert's hairpiece catches on fire, and if you go back to the page before that, the last panel of that page, you see Clark glaring at the top of Steve's head as he's doubled over in laughter, and you see the top of his hair... Kind of getting a little bit lighter there. Yeah. And you see his eyes also a little illuminated. Yeah, a little red. yellow there, a little light. So, so it's not necessary to have the red lines to show the heat vision. Right. Like yeah. Subtle ways. Same thing with the thing on the desk. Right. Uh, yeah. The Jimmy Olsen spandex pants things reminded me. I was going to point out the, the dick humor is back with that Atlas and Samson thing is Samson's not wearing a belt buckle. I'm just going to say it right now. Mm -hmm. So in the comment he says, oh. do you see the way that she spied my belt buckle oh. in bold? And then Atlas laughs and says, but mine is bigger. Oh. So, yeah, See, I didn't get of, that when I read that. There's a lot of competition going on. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. I was like, but he's not wearing a belt. <laughs> Boo. Typical boys. Tip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, oh, the, so Barrel and Lilo, I, think, I always think Lilo and Stitch, they, they show up and Barrel falls, and then she falls. Um, they can't stay in flight anymore. Superman catches her. Doesn't catch what's his name, but he lands kind of roughly. Um, and Superman explains that... I love another great Grant Morrison moment. They pass through a certain radioactive cloud which caused the, mineral, the minerals in your bodies to turn into toxic kryptonite. 
And it didn't affect Superman because with his new powers from the solar overload, he's no longer affected by kryptonite. But these two are. And, and of course, they're very upset. They're going to die, even though they already survived the death of Krypton and everything. And Superman, being Superman, again, let me help. There's always a way. Yeah. And, but they want to turn down his help. And finally, they decide, well... And then they both go blind. Yeah, that's a terrifying like, scene. Spooky when like, she's like, I can't see. And then his eyes are like going two different directions, <laughs> yeah. freaking out. Like, I can't see you. It's terrifying. Yeah, so next we're in the fortress, I assume. Superman's got a device where he can, they can all three of them communicate. Um, there's this, it allows you to have this thought screen where you can manifest your thoughts and kind of a little bit of your image in the thought screen so they can actually see each other even though they're physically blind. Um, and and Barrel finally admits that even after all they've been mean to him, Cal's trying trying to show them kindness, trying to help him. And he finally says, I'm proud to call you my kin. Krypton's great heart lives on in you. Um, and unfortunately, the only way he can save them is to put project them into the Phantom Zone. And there's just this beautiful scene where Barrel asks Superman to put his hand in her hand before he sends them to the to the Phantom Zone. Where we go, we go together. One last adventure. And then the very last page of that issue, it shows the two of them in the Phantom Zone, looking very cocky because they're going to be the law now in right. the Phantom Zone. <laughs> I, I just really like that. Superman says the Phantom Zone will have some law and order at last. Yeah, and that's a great idea. I like yeah, that. which par- yeah parallels the whole. Superman's existence on Earth, I mean, helping, love, kindness, all of that. So, Trevor, how the hell are you going to summarize issue number 10? Because oh this one is all <laughs> over the place. I think that I can summarize this one pretty pretty easily, actually. Um, this is one of my two or three favorite issues in here for sure. Me too. You know, just so, we, just so we can make it for the end and everything. Uh, sick of time, but this one does it for itself. So... Earlier, Superman explained that he has these feats that he does, and throughout this issue, it's him accomplishing a bunch of feats, um, visiting hospitals, talking to sick kids, uh, carrying buses. He's writing down his will and testament, almost, mm. kind yeah. of thing, or just, like, chronicling his his final moments. Um, and it, he's starting to wear, and he's trying not to show it when he's out and about. He ends up working with, science Willy Wonka to do a kind of come up with a solution with Candor in the Bottle City to what could be done for them um, with either getting it back to full size or something, finding some alternative. He saves a, like, pocket universe in a cube. So this is one of my favorite parts is that he basically says... How is Earth going to survive without me? Mm-hmm. And he says, the only way I can answer that question is by creating an Earth mm-hmm. and and accelerating time and watching it. And seeing what it does. Yeah. yeah. So, which Roman alluded to earlier is that we see within the final minute of a, of a day, the entire basically time span of our Earth mm-hmm. uh, in here. Yeah. But yeah, it's mostly just to observe what does humanity do without Superman, Superman to overcome their own self-destructive influences. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering earlier when Atlas or somebody mentioned he would create life as one of his labors, I remember wondering, well, how? why would he do that? Because that seems like a selfish thing, but it's so Superman that he's done this, he's created life, just to try and get an idea of, well, how's Earth going to exist without me? 
I got to study that so I can leave whatever I can to help them once I'm gone. And he didn't pull a Rick and Morty and power his car with it, so that's also good. <laughs> um, so yeah, and he ends up running into Lois Lane, who is captured by a giant mecha robot, by by a crazy old guy. He goes on to talk with Lois. Uh, she knows that he's sick and he's dying. He's kind of putting it off. He stops this girl from jumping off of a bridge, which happens earlier in the issue. You find a guy who's talking on the phone, telling someone to not, like, just stay where they are, don't put the phone down. In one of the most powerful single-page yeah. comics, I think, in print. Yeah, I've had people... A friend of mine doesn't even live in the state. She once posted this page. Um, Justin talks about having help and, you know, suicide, that kind of stuff. And she's never read this. Mm -hmm. She wants to read it because of this one page. Yeah, this was really, really good. And, like, that was a cool, like, all these things happening within this story, coming back and tying together. You get more on the Candor stuff. You've got some people volunteering to tackle Superman's problem from the inside. Um, you see him kind of all of a sudden doing his DNA code. He's kind of observing it, fixing bridges, goes and talks to Lex Luthor, who spits at him through some glass. He tries to reconcile some of that. He's still observing the Earth Q, which is the Earth that he created, basically, to see what's happening. Um, and then you get resolution for Kandor in this chapter, which is they let the city of Kandor go live on Mars. So it's a tiny city flying around. They get their powers. They can be safe and get to you know help humanity in any way they can. And you find out that he finally gives Willy Wonka scientist Dr. Quim his DNA code, and he says he even has a f found a way to mix it with humans. And you also see he's got so he's got two vials of gold liquid. And one's got his logo on it. The other one's got Lois's logo on it. Yeah. So she's he's got her DNA too. Yep. Um, so he gives that to her. You find out that the Candors that went inside Superman can't help him. It's He's deteriorating too fast, but he brings them to the hospital of sick kids that you see earlier in the chapter to help fight their illnesses, which is super, like, awesome. Like, yeah. I also, I love that, uh, you know, Technicolor Johnny Depp says, uh, <laughs> are you saying you'd entrust the responsibility of your genome to me? I could be the devil myself, or himself, for all you know, Superman. And he says... Uh, this is how much I trust you, Leo. And he, he gives him the coat. Like, that's just such a wonderful, like, listen, not only am I, like, going to teach you how to combine human and Kryptonian, like, make a child for me, but here is the entire future of my species, and it just speaks to how highly regarded Dr. Quintum mm -hmm. is. And yeah, and I love the fact that we found out his first name's Leo. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, he truly is a Renaissance man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you end this you end this chapter, he's, you know, still writing some of his monologue, but at the end you see Lois walk up to a computer with a file and it's Superman Dead, which was earlier in the in the issues. It's the one that Samson pulled out of his mm -hmm. bag to show. Like so he wrote his own like Superman Dead article to have it ready to go for Lois, basically. Yeah. So, oh boy, and I'm sorry, I was distracted by that Leo thing, but did you cover this panel right here? The No, I didn't, sorry. So, so what happens is in this Earth Q that is evolving rapidly through time, several seconds before the dawn of this first day, we are taken to the offices of Simon, Simon & Schuster, and we see them creating the first penciled illustration of Superman. Mm -hmm. So the answer 
to what does a planet without Superman do? They create the idea of Superman to aspire to. So even, and it gives me goosebumps even just thinking about it, like that is just such an amazing, all of this book to me is about how Superman helps real people in our world be better people. Like the, the fact that this comic book character exists helps all of us be better. And within the comic book world, he inspires all these people to be better. So this notion of like the idea of a, a solar deity or a super god, you know, it exists whether Superman is around or not. Humanity needs something to aspire to, and that's what Superman is. Mm -hmm. So the response to what does a world do without Superman? Well, they they still create Superman. He, we, you can't. Time doesn't exist without Superman. We are Earth Q. He, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and he invents himself. And, and I love that these two pages, at the end of that issue. I mean, you've got the homage to to. I always forget which one was the artist. Did I say Simon and Schuster? Was it yeah. Siegel? Siegel and Schuster. Siegel and, and I always Schuster. forget which one was the artist and which one was the writer. But there's the homage to well to both of them, but especially the artist there with the last panel of him drawing a Superman. But on the last, the, the previous page on the bottom, you've got a little homage to Kirby. I feel like there with the hand coming the, out of the, a page. the forced perspective of the hand, the giant hand sure. opening up, and the 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 saviors coming out of the hand. <laughs> I love I love this particular issue. Oh yeah, it's so good. Super moving. Super moving. Right, well Jeff. well done, Trevor. Thank you. Um, issue 11 is, again, the first part of sort of the, the final <coughs> act of this, which is a you know, two-part thing. But we start with Lex Luthor in the death chair, and he gets electrocuted uh, because his death sentence is finally here. But what we realize is that he drank a 24-hour super serum, um, which if you look earlier back when he's been in his prison cell, he's been reading how to mix cocktails, and that you know, which is what he ends up doing. So he breaks out of prison, he sets everybody else in prison free. Um, we are then followed with sort of Superman closing down the Fortress of Solitude. We see a projection of the Phantom Zone. You can see his relative that he sent in there is flying in to beat up some schmucks. Um, <laughs> and Superman is sort of talking to the robots that protect his lair and saying like, hey, well, don't forget to feed the bizarro creatures. They got to live too. And his last will and testament is being projected onto the wall. We get, I feel like, the sexiest shot of Superman in the whole book. <laughs> Which is him like taking his shirt off, and I just sort of paused on that one as I was reading the issue because like he—that's a good shot of Superman. Um, but then we've got you know Lex checks in with his niece, and uh, he's like, "Man, I'm about to burn shit down." He's rapidly in the same way that like Clark, you know, uh, several images of him saving that copy in the second coffee in this, the first issue. We've got Lex building a, a death machine rapidly with his new superpowers, speed, and he has taken. Um, the tyrant he's been teamed up with the tyrant's son solaris is it yeah solaris the tyrant's son um which superman one of the feats that he knew that he accomplished is that he defeats solaris the tyrant's son so he has in preparation for that built a suit that will protect him from the radiation and the heat and he begins to fight solaris the tyrant's son after he locks up the fortress of solitude um with a welcome mat too which with I, really the, like. I know i love the welcome <laughs> mat so good and he goes right up there and in this great Frank Quitely design for this Titan sun. It's this weird sort of bulbous spiky ball, but it's got a big glowing eye and Superman goes right up to it and just punches it right in the eye. Yeah. Well, uh, look, it looks like a, it looks like, it looks like a cancer cell. It yeah. totally does actually. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is great is that we've 
had at this point two different issues deal with the sun eater mm-hmm. and that of course comes back full circle to be a thing that he tries to eat the tyrant sun and it does a significant amount of damage to it but he ends up killing the, the sun eater and then uh, the Solaris falls to the earth and Superman punches it as he kind of dies there at the end uh, he destroys the sun and then his costume is re- laying there uh, next to Solaris, as we learn, the Solaris will be reprogrammed in the far future to help humanity. One thing that happens though is the suit of Superman that he was wearing is empty on the ground there because he decides to fly back to uh, the the Daily Planet to share his Superman is dead story. There is a single panel that is just it's just the front of his hands as he is flying to the Daily uh, Planet. Yeah, and it is just. I cannot stress enough how many times in reading this story that I just stopped, like with a combination of absolute excitement and also being really emotionally moved by how perfect Frank Quitely's drawings are, how much life and a human experience is in there, and just maybe other people wouldn't appreciate it. I don't know, but the way that the the arch of the hand is bent in that mm-hmm. single panel shows to me that he has thought about how Superman's hands look. Like, I just can't think of another artist that would have drawn this panel. They would have shown Superman's face. They would have shown straight hands. But they show, Frank shows the flawed fingers and the arched upward tips as he, you know, is just speeding to the Daily Bugle. It's amazing. And then he dies on the desk yeah. over his Superman is dead article and then uh, Lex shows up and he says Clark is the least of your worries um, and he's super super Lex super Lexed super out super Lex yeah and, uh, and we go into the final issue I love in Lex Lair how you've got all the different Lex super armors and super suits from various stories I, I throughout the decades any comic that does that and I love yeah there's throughout these series the whole all-star Superman series, you see every now and then panels that show Superman's perspective. Yeah. And like this one where he's speeding through Metropolis skies toward the Daily Planet, and there's no speed lines, there's none of the usual comic book um, tools to show to tell you this guy's really speeding, flying through the air. But you get, somehow you get that impression. You know he's frantically speeding there and everything without being, you know, spoon-fed it. Mm-hmm. And it's just... And it's like that panel when he's looking over Atlas and Samson's shoulder at Lois, and you know what Superman's thinking there, and it's just beautiful. It's, he's, I think, perfect. Yeah. He's such a good artist. Um, okay, so the last issue, the part twelve, bring us home. Oh man, this and it's such a great cover. Lex like walking through the sky casually, blasting stuff with his green heat vision, I think, and Solaris just solarizing the sky behind him while Superman's hiding behind a wall with a with a gun. I think this conversation on these first three pages is what rides home the theme of this book, the absolute best. And it's what Zack Snyder used for the Man of Steel uh, trailer that was originally released yeah, years with, ago. Yeah, with the speech that Jor-El yeah. gives him. Mm-hmm. I was, when I was going through this again, it like dawned on him. like, hey. Yeah, why right. do I know that wow. dialogue? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this issue opens with um, Superman's in a in a skycraft with his, his dead father, or well, his dead biological father, Jor-El, um, and they're just having a talk because Kal-El is dead, like his father, and um, they're going toward Kryptonian, the Kryptonian version of heaven, basically. Um, 
and oh boy, I don't know how much of this I want to I want to say. As you guys said, it was the basis of that scene in the Superman movie, The Man of Steel. Yeah, I mean, I guess the part that I would really the the, the part that is just so poignant to me is. Uh, Well, yeah, Joel says, uh, you have given them an ideal to aspire to, embody their highest aspirations. They will stumble, but eventually will join you in the sun. And that is, I feel like, Graham Morrison's vision of what Superman is distilled into a single sentence and, mm. and sort of what he functions in our society as, what the comic functions as, mm. and what he functions in the comic world as, which is uh, a goal to aspire to, and that's what is cool about him. Yeah, and and based on that, Jor-El points out because he, he says to Cal, "You must surrender to the process, the process of death, that transformation." And Cal's surprised by that. Jor-El points out the matter and energy; these things cannot be created or destroyed, nor can consciousness. Um, says a bit more there, but then if we get down to the nitty gritty. The choice is simple: to remain at play within the field of living fluid consciousness, or to turn and face down evil one last time. And of course, you know what. Superman's going to choose. Yeah. <laughs> so we're back on the Daily Planet. Lex threatening, threatening our cast. Cocky. Um, <laughs> Lips flaring. <laughs> yeah, and Luther, of course, so arrogant, pointing out, and he blames them for Luther ending up in prison, but Perry points out, the truth sent you to the chair, Luther. And the truth isn't something you quantify, so of course Luther is like, funny, I don't see the truth anywhere, do you? I mean, what color is it? Can I touch it? No, I don't think so. Truth is meaningless. And Lois tries to talk him down. Um, we flash back again to Superman and Jor-El heading toward the, uh, the heaven there. Um, and Jor-El's telling him it's, it's all that is strong and great and true will survive and be reborn. But Cal doesn't want to go. And we see a flash of a burst of sunlight or something, and we're back... In the Daily Planet, Steve Lombard, the jerk, is actually trying to do CPR on Clark, bring him back. That was a nice touch. Um, Lois goes off on Luther, calls him an idiot. Luther uses his super breath, blasts her, and that's what wakes Clark up. <laughs> Lois being hurt. And then Jimmy attacks him. Luther tosses him aside, and then Clark gets starts to get up and is saying, well, there's me. Um, and he's gravity got, gun. Yeah, he's got something hidden. It's the gravity gun. He blasts Lex. Um, and then it's what's funny is they still, Jimmy, and I don't know if Jimmy knows that Clark Kent is Superman. He doesn't. He doesn't. But he inadvertently gives Clark an excuse because all of a sudden Jimmy's like, oh, you're actually Superman pretending to be Clark Kent. <laughs> Yeah, and then it just happens to have a spare costume hanging around his office. Yeah, in case, yeah. In we case keep he has different places. In case he ever has to double for Clark Kent for some reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's always ready. <laughs> so we get the battle between Superman and Lex. Um, Superman's hitting him with trucks and stuff, and he's got this, the gravity gun. Mm, they have their discussion, and Lex starts having, having some problems. They're still punching it out, and he looks like he's laid out Superman has laid him out, and his daughter, jeez, his niece shows up. Um, and they start talking about Lex's, uh, all of a sudden, his super brain. He starts kind of being overwhelmed by, by just seeing all the connections, the quantum connections, everything in the universe. How, and 
this is another point of Superman and I, you know, we're all connected. It's just, we're just all us in here together. Um, he starts realizing that, seeing that, well, his uh, wanting to be the Ubermensch and, and, you know, be the ultimate human and get rid of the stinky alien isn't, is false. That, that him and the alien have a lot more in common than he ever wanted to thought. And then Superman steps out of the mist, punches him, <laughs> punches Luther a few times, knocks well, him out finally. What's really important is that he used the gravity gun for a specific reason. And this just goes into, again, how brilliant Grant Morrison is. In the same realm as Mark Wade, those two love to sit down and discuss things like hyper time. Um, but Superman, uh, the gravity gun warps time. And that goes into just quantum theory by Einstein mm. of just like gravity bending yeah. the reality. So it forced Lex's metabolism to speed up. So this 24-hour super serum, his metabolism metabolized way too quickly, and now that is gone. And that's like... Yeah, super smart. So that's yeah. how we've now overcome... Like Superman can punch him, and it can hurt him because he's no longer super Lex. Yeah, good point. Thank you. It's Because, it, yeah, Superman does say brain beats brawn every time as Luke's or I think Luther had said before um, and I love the fact that after Superman knocks him out because Luther was saying I could have saved the world if it wasn't for you yeah. and Superman says you could have saved the world years ago if it mattered to you Luther. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, and that's so fucking right and perfect uh -huh. they had an interesting thing they did an animated of this mm -hmm. and this scene played out very differently at the end yeah instead oh. it's instead of like this fight it's Lex Luthor still has his powers, and Superman talks him down and points that out to him, and then Lex just gives up at, like, kind of accepting that. It's like, I could have. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, he's like, I could have wow. done it. It's like having Superman's powers sort of finally pulls him out of this cognitive well that he's been of being a shit. And yeah. And he's like, oh, the world is bigger. We're all more connected. I need to hmm. be better. Which works. I mean, it's not Frank Quietly's art, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that works, too. I mean, it kind of that's kind of what's happening here, just with him being so... Right. Having, co in a way, cosmic awareness, to use a Marvel term. Um, beats Luther, Lois shows up, and they they have a talk. Uh, and Superman still has to go up to the repair of the sun. Um, and he has only moments to save the world, so they kiss. Lois is crying. Um, tells her she, He tells her she loves her, or he loves her until the end of time, and he sh takes off to go up to the sun, um, we see a panel of, of Jimmy, Jimmy and Perry with Lois, and she's holding his, his cape as he flies up to the sun, and it's beautiful the way he's flying so fast that, 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 that there's um, visual effects, heat and radiation kind of burning off. He's burning, and he hits the sun. And then the next page, we're, at a super, we're looking at a Superman memorial statue, Lois is feeding pigeons on the park bench. Jimmy shows up, and it's apparently it's been a year since Superman flew into the sun. Lois doesn't think he's actually dead, um, but everybody else does. Okay. And, and, yeah. and then there's this beautiful image of the... I forget what this is based on. Yeah, I tried to find the image. I can't ever remember because I think that Red Sun also references this image. Yeah, and I don't... I and it has something to do with... It has um, to do with like the clockworks of the universe, I think. Yeah, it does. And I don't know it, if it's William Blake or it is William Blake. Is it's it? It's William Blake, 
um, and Leonardo da Vinci it, it tied in together. But in his sketch for that image, he says it's tied into William Blake's um, uh, explanation explanation of the rational man. Hmm. Um, well done, Roman. Um, but yeah, it's well, William Blake's rational man at his most sublime. Hmm. And, and and it's just a page all in yellow and gold, and it's it's Superman, and he's in the position of that statue or painting, I forget which it was, and he's pull, it, he's pulling on one of the levers that goes down into what looks kind of like the gears of the universe, the sun, and then next we see a sun rising over the pro the project, which we never did find out what project stood for. No, we didn't. I think Jimmy that. asked once, and they just sidestepped the question, yeah. which I thought was cool. Um, and what did you keep calling him? The, the <laughs> I called him Science Willy Wonka. Science Willy Wonka, yeah. He's talking to one of his one of his people about um, what if Superman never returns. And he says, "I won't worry too much about that day, Agatha. Now that we know how it's done, I'm sure we'll think of something." And we see the door of this secret project, and it's got a kind of a Superman symbol. It's Grant, it turns out it's Grant Morrison's original symbol to be used in this story that they put on the door. So there's a hint here that it's a backwards. It's a two. Yeah. Two. Oh, it is a two. It's not a Bizarro. It's a two-o. I didn't realize that was a two. So, right. so there's a hint that using their genetics, Superman genetic samples and technology, that maybe someday they can, and the fact that Superman gave them the Kryptonian and, and Lowest DNA. human DNA, that, yeah. you know, there may be, there, there's a future here for so the House of L. I've got a, I've got a different per, uh, interpretation of that. If, <laughs> yeah. if Trevor, you've got a minute. Just yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Okay. Um, no, we're good. The final feat that he does is Superman leaves the recipe formula to make Superman 2. Um, and the way that they practically, on a, on a practical level, explain that is that he got his genetic code. So now we could create more Superman. Yeah. Um, so I wrote, practically, he's mapped his genetic code to be duplicated. But metaphorically, he's shown us what it means to be a Superman. Mm -hmm. So on the genetic level, here's how you be a Superman. But in reality, we've written this 12-issue book of the 12 feats of Superman to show all of us what it means to become Superman, to be better, to, to actually have him as that influence. And I just think that's the perfect marriage of creating an analytical explanation for something that functions, to me, as a, on a totally different metaphorical level as well, which is... You know, like, what if he never returns? Well, because of him, we don't need him anymore because we can be that. Yeah. Lois yeah. is right. He's not dead. The, the idea of Superman is alive. As long as somebody, as long as somebody thinks about it, it's still going to be there, and it's still something that's around. So if you're yeah. pursuing that embodiment and striving to meet those goals of being a Superman, then it's always going to be there, and he's never going to be gone. He's never going to die right. if you choose at any given moment to be like, wait, how would Superman handle this? Yeah. You know, and, like, like, fuck you, Grant Morrison. You're so good. You're so good. It makes me so happy. I love him so much. Yeah, yeah. presenting it on both those levels, because we know there's going to, you know, we know the genetic potential and everything continues because we've seen the Superman of the future from the Super Squad. But just all the examples in here of, of uh, well, of love, to sound all sappy about it, mm -hmm. but unconditional love. I mean, Superman... He loves, loves his us. parents. He loves <laughs> humanity. He loves his dog. Um, everything he does, when you boil it down, is out of love. He wants to help and for people to be safe and and continue. I think it's 
one of yeah the high to me the highest one of the highest points of, of comic booking that's been out there in terms of a writer on point an artist just killing it and then the two of them together making something that i think will stand you know, i've long since said that like in, in a thousand years when our society is crumbled uh and people look back on like, well, what were they about? You're going to find the Old Testament, the New Testament, and All-Star Superman. Because it's just the sort of perfect extension of those same lessons that, you know, I, I was raised in churches. So I feel like that, you know, what I got out of learning about Jesus, I also get out of learning about Superman. Uh, and and this, to me, is is the definitive end-all Superman story. It's good. I, it definitely changed my opinion and my thought about the character and... He's definitely up there as one of my favorite DC heroes with, you know, a lot of things to aspire to do, to be a good person. So it's also a way for me to tell people, like, you should also kind of read the new stuff that's going on because um, Brian Bendis is now in charge of Superman for that. And I like the idea of not only is he, he's kind of changing the status quo of that, instead of also just being this person to aspire to, it's now trying to put the idea of, like having Superman be a leading a leader, not just not just a role model, but a leader. Yeah. And see where that goes with it too. Yeah. Uh it's it's the best. So I'm super, super glad that you chose it to be on the podcast and I'm yeah. super, super glad that I could be here to talk about it with yeah. you. Ashton, you got some comments. You came in. We know you also loved All Star Superman. Tell us a couple things that you liked about it. Hi everyone. <laughs> um I have read this book a few times. <laughs> Ashton just got on shift, and Jeff has to go. Yeah. Um, All right, Jeff. Well, thank you for coming in. Appreciate it. Dude, hell yeah. Jeff is actually the person that introduced this book to me. He gave it to me as a birthday present. Introduced us all to it. Um, oh, yeah, he did. Uh, one of the most meaningful books I have on my shelves. It has its gorgeous Frank Quitely art and beautiful messages every single issue. Um, it's something that I... It's it's a piece of art that I look to every time I'm having a hard time, um, or when I just need some inspiration because it's incredible through and through. It's All Star Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ashton Lucaris. <laughs> I'm Ashton Lucaris. Yeah. Well, thank you for your comments, Ashton. Um, Roman. So that was All Star Superman. So Colton couldn't be here today, but I did tell him to give us his pick since he was next in line. Since he enjoyed this so much, he wasn't ready to get off that Superman ride yet. And his next pick, actually, for us is going to be Kingdom Come. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that one because I really like Alex Ross's art. And I haven't, I've actually been waiting to read that one just in case we got to it. So I'm excited to go in fresh with it. So until next time, let's uh, get Infinity Content out of here. All right. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 